And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Flashback Fridays. I am your host, David K. Montoya. Alright, kids, I'm going to pull out the Wayback Machine and we're going to get this started. Uh, if you're new to the show, let me give you a rundown. We get together each and every week. I pull three podcasts from various shows in the JZO Modcast Network from our archive and we listen to them. We talk about them for a minute and then I send you on your merry way home. All right, and let's just go ahead and get started. Um, I really don't have no news this week. It's kind of a slow week. So let's go ahead and jump into our first podcast show. I've got my little cauldron. Oh, by the way, I, I want to say thank you to Phil. Uh, he sent me an email. Um, he went and checked out Felix the Cat. Uh, I guess he's he was born in the 90s, so he, he wasn't too familiar with Felix the Cat, and he said he, he really enjoyed it. Well, since I'm putting out old cat movies, um, there's another cat movie, but it's, it's more of an adult-oriented movie. Uh, let me put this down so I can tell you about it. Uh, it came out in the 1970s. It's called Fritz the Cat. Now, kids under the age of 18 should not watch this. But if you did, or if you do, eh, it fair be warned. It's not, it's not going to be appropriate. Mom and dad are going to be upset. So Phil, check that movie out and drop me another line and, and tell me what you think since we're kind of exchanging. Well, I'm not really exchanging, but I'm, I'm telling you what old cartoons to check out. Um, while you're at it, see if you can find the old heavy metal cartoon from 1980. That's a good movie too. Uh, it's like two hours long. Good movie. Good movie. Animated. Okay. Let's go ahead and jump in and get started with this week's program. Let's see. First episode of this week is going to be sheer, or let's see. Sorry. I was going to say sheer darkness, but it's not. I'm apologize it is scene red number 38 released september 5th 2013 scene red number 38 the best of scene red sibling rivalry hop in the wayback machine with yours truly dave as i explore the first six episodes of what would become scene red in the first of best of series called the best of scene red sibling rivalry now, for you, the, for those who don't know, let me just throw this out before I jump, when we jump into the next one. Um, before we were sibling, or before we were seeing red, for the first six shows, we were actually called Sibling Rivalry. But we found out that there's actually another podcast show with the name Trademarked Sibling Rivalry. So that's why we changed it to Seeing Red. Um, so we officially changed it, the first six episodes, to Seeing Red's Sibling Rivalry. So there you go. And this is going to be the best of in Seeing Red number 38. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Seeing Red. I'm David K. Montoya. 
All right, kids. It's been a really busy week for me. Um, I'm starting the pre-production stages of the uh, Yotno movie. Um, I'm in the second draft of the script, then I'm just putting it together. I've actually been brainstorming with uh, a you know good friend of mine, Terry D. Shearer, this last week, and and we've been really trying to flesh out the script and develop the characters and the, the story for you know further drafts that are yet to come um the story is coming along very well and and it's been fun but i just been really super busy this week and plus you know the regular podcast routine uh has kept me busy so i haven't had an opportunity to sit down with anybody but what had happened was the other day i was sitting and i was going back i was just kind of reminiscing on when we first started the podcast because you know we're we're approaching our one-year anniversary of seeing Red, well, the Jason Modcast in general. And as I was listening through the different Seeing Red episodes, I was like, man, why don't I sit down and I, I put together the parts that really made me laugh or the parts that, you know, really were insightful to me and I really enjoyed. So what I decided to do here, kids, was I went through the original six episodes when it was called or sibling rivalry, uh, you know, and people that are just now coming in or they've listened for a while, they may not know this, but initially Rebecca and I uh, started off on a show called Sibling Rivalry. Aaron, at her time, it was just her boyfriend. Um, he came in, he sat down on the first episode, and he was actually just a guest. But each and every week that they showed up, you know, he came along and, and he actually just became part of the the show. And for six episodes, it was called Sibling Rivalry. Uh, what I found out was probably around, uh, I'd say the month of November, I think. November, December, or something like that. I found out that somebody else actually had a trademarked podcast name, uh, Sibling Rivalry. So we decided to sit down and, and come up with a new name, and that's where Scene Red came from. Uh, originally, a lot of people may not know this, but Seeing Red was originally going to be called Listening Red, um, because if you look at the, the artwork on the Jason Modcast website, it's red R period, E period, D period. And what that actually is, is an acronym for Rebecca, Aaron, and Dave. And I was going to go with Listening, Listening Red or Hearing Red, but I just, it, it didn't have the, the ring that I wanted. So I came up with the concept of Seeing Red. And we went from episode 7 on, we were called Seeing Red. But anyway, I went back to the original first six, and they were the sibling rivalry. And I just went through and and listened to them all and found, like I said, the, the most humorous, the most insightful episodes um, that are segments of the episode that really made me laugh or just kind of made me reminisce about you know that time and i have to say that when i got to episode six that was hard for me to choose because i was consistent consistently laughing through the entire show um i was just really in one of those moods and and uh we had two special guests um and and you'll hear those guests pop up one guest actually lasted through the entire show that annoyed the shit out of us. 
and then Batman himself, no, I'm not talking about Ben Affleck, um, showed up and, and he, uh, he had to come and set our, our guests straight for a little while. But it was really fun and I really enjoyed it. And I hope you guys do too, because uh, like I said, I sat through and listened to all six episodes and, and it was just, I'm really looking forward to sitting back down and, and talking with Rebecca and Aaron again. I, I will say openly that I really miss podcasting with those two. Um, you know, because we laugh and just have a good time. All right, kids. So here it is. This is Scene Red Sibling Rivalry, the best of. Hi, boys and girls. We're. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, well, what if I go and I start a, a podcast and bring these people to my place? Because that's where we're at right now. We're in fabulous Apple Valley, California, <laughs> in my home. Um, and, you know, sit down and talk for at least an hour. And that's how the, the Jaisal Modcast came to be. It's, just, it's simply for nothing more. I mean, the financial part kind of followed, but the initial idea itself was to sit down and talk to my friends. That's all this was about. I mean, and, and you folks, I know you can't see the setup right now. Um, you know, I've got a computer. We got a ghetto rig, basically. <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty thoroughly thought out, but it's ghetto rigged. <laughs> if anybody knows what that means. Um, I, I won't try to take that as an insult as much as... It, it's not an insult by any means. It's not, because I get a rig a lot of my electronics. Rebecca knows this firsthand. Yes, he does. Um, so that's that's pretty much how it came about. Uh, it, it's, again, I know I've said this out loud before, and it sounds really conceited. Jaisalmon is essentially about me and what I want to do. Yeah. Jaisal Modcast is me sitting down with my sister. You're with my sister, so you you, you follow with right, yeah. Um, and and that's it. I mean, we started off in the beginning of the show talking about the book, um, and then you know segue into a little bit of, of what we just talked about with a relationship. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows what next episode will hold? We might talk about like I was saying before we started recording. You know. Outhouses versus toilets, you know, <laughs> or you know, dry dry toilet paper versus wet toilet paper. We don't know. It, it's it's just to sit down and have a conversation, um, to hear each other's voice, and to to kind of keep a connection because that was one of the problems I think that might have happened with this follow up that we had, you know, some months back is there was a lack of, Commun lack of communication, communication, yeah, and. If you come over to my place once a week and, and you know what I'm up on, I know what you're up on, there's no miscommunication. That's right. And plus, I'm having a ball. Yeah. I mean, as you guys probably can hear, I'm losing my voice because, coincidentally, right before I started recording this cast with Rebecca, um, I just finished recording the Win in Burbank with S80 Burbank. So my voice is literally starting to go out. Um, hopefully, as time goes on, I'll be able to maintain more of a steady voice. Uh, this is fairly new to me. I really don't talk that much as, you know, maybe... Lies. My, my Lies. wife or my sister. <laughs> Lies and slander. <laughs> Lies. But I really don't. Um, so... That's the whole idea between or behind uh, the Jaisalmon uh, modcast. What we're going to go is, 
hopefully you guys will enjoy like. <laughs> hopefully you guys will enjoy like. Edit out. <laughs> <coughs> take a drink. Take a cough. So yeah, we know. We know. Let's go go to our to our outtakes, anyways. Um, I'm not a big fan of Wolverine. Like I agree with you. There's some cool things that he did, but I was actually in 11th or 12th grade when they pulled his adamantium out. Yeah, I was okay. <laughs> Mom, if you're listening to this, I, I'm spilling the beans. Okay. I knew that that book was coming out. It was X-Men 25. Mm-hmm. I knew it was coming out. I knew something big was happening because of the rumble. Mm-hmm. I purposely ditched school. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to the comic book shop to get my, my copy of X-Men 25. I didn't read it until and, and I literally, from the comic book shop to the high school, I walked back to high school. I remember I'm sitting in psychology class. I've got the comic book in between my psychology book, and I'm reading it, right? And then I see Magneto rip out the adamantium. I'm like, yeah! Yeah! <laughs> what he deserves! And, and everybody just kind of looked at me, and I'm like, good speech! Good speech! <laughs> in reality, I was like so excited that they did that to Wolverine. I yeah. don't know. Sorry, Wolverine lovers. You know, my heart goes out to you, but just not in this household, brother. <laughs> Bum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of segueing back to the George Lucas and you know Disney yeah, thing. Did you see the picture, the press release picture? That for what? For uh, Disney buying out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got the press release, mm. and it came with a picture, and the picture is it's George Lucas and. Um, Who's the CEO of Disney? I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Something, Robert Engel? Is it Robert Engel? That's an actor, isn't it? Robert Engel is the guy that plays Freddy Cougar. No, that's Robert Engel. Oh, England, okay. <laughs> but anyway, it was those two. They're standing in the middle, and then surrounded by them is the Disney cast. Really? But they're all dressed up. Oh, my God. As... Star Wars characters, and you know, Mickey Mouse is, is Luke Skywalker. He's holding the, really? the lightsaber. Really? Yeah. I gotta see. I gotta find this. Um, what I'm gonna do, folks, is I'll post up in in our sibling rivalry um, forum. I'll I'll put a post of the picture there. Okay. It, it's the funniest damn thing I've seen, and and <laughs> I, I'm waiting because you know, Robot Chicken's done a, a Star Wars thing. Family, Family Guy's guy. done a Star Wars thing. So yeah. next is gonna be Disney. Uh, Disney. <laughs> Ooh, bless you. Um, real fast. Yes. The Kick-Ass was distributed in the UK by Universal Pictures and the United States by Lionsgate Films. Lionsgate. Ah, Lionsgate. Formerly Artisan Films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good production house. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put that up in the, the forum so you guys can check it out. Um, of course, you know, Mickey Mouse will be Luke Skywalker, and I'm thinking, you know, Pete, you know, mm-hmm. the, the big cat, yeah. Pete, he'll be Darth Vader. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, instead, of, instead of the heavy breathing, you know, the... <laughs> it'll, it probably won't have no heavy breathing, and instead of, you know, James Earl Jones, Luke, I am your father. It'll be like, Luke, I am your father! Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, I, I, I see that happening. 
They're going to try to combine both brands. They're they're going to tone it down for the little kids. Like with with my daughter Zoe, she's big on Mickey Mouse. So yeah. anything that comes on TV that has to do with Mickey Mouse, she's going to stop and she watches it. It might be a good thing just to kind of bring her into that world, the Star Wars world, mm-hmm. you know, at a young age, and then when she gets older, I can say, you know, this is really what it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, not not flowers and daisies. They're not going to do that. You don't think so? No. You never know. I mean, the I've seen what Disney's been doing with movies lately, mm-hmm. and I've liked it, like, with, like, um, John Carter and The Prince of Persia. Those are pretty good movies, and you wouldn't even think they were Disney movies. Yeah. The new Prince of Persia that came out? I like that movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. I didn't, I didn't... Yeah, it's a Disney movie. What? Yes, they're Disney. They're from Disney Studios. Picture or I don't know. How do they say it? Disney? No, it's it's Disney Studios. Disney Studios, oh, okay. Disney Studios or Disney Pictures. But John Carter and Prince of Persia. Those aren't kids movies. Yeah, kids can watch them. But I completely totally enjoyed both those movies. John Carter is a really good movie. If you, have, if you guys haven't seen it, you need to watch it. But anyways, I I haven't seen John Carter. It's a good yeah. movie. But I've seen The Prince of Persia. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Excellent movie. I mean, there's violence in there. I mean, there's not complete nut or like a buttload of violence, but but uh, I think it's a good movie. I think that they're gonna. I think they'll do good with Star Wars. I don't think they'll make it too kiddie. I hope not, um, because the story gets darker, and I don't know if you've noticed. I don't the, think Disney could make a darker story for Episode Seven because supposedly it's supposed to be coming out in what 2015, right? And yeah, going off of the end of episode six, it's like I don't, I don't think they can. I mean, yeah, you got like you got good writers because, like you guys said, you know, Prince Persia, John Carter. But I don't personally, I don't think that they could make another episode of Star Wars, being that it was so popular. You know. Welcome to Wint. No, wait, wrong show. <laughs> Wint is perfect. <laughs> Sorry, that, that kind of felt weird. Hi, boys and girls. Welcome to... What show are we? Sibling Rivalry. Rivalry. Yes, we're on episode three, and I'm already brain dead. I can't even remember the name of our show. Rebecca and Aaron have returned. Um, they are amongst a lot of people this last two weeks have that have gone to Vegas. Uh, my ass has been home watching the kids. Aaron's bromance... Never goes away. Uh, my my dog Code Blue has hit the scene once again. God. Monster. So, what do you guys think? Jing- now, what is Jenga? What is that? It's where you have the blocks and you like stack them up and then you take one out at a time. You take one out and then you see if it wobbles. Oh, it, it's over. almost like the real life Tetris kind of thing, right? Is that it? No, it's like a block. Okay, it's like a tower, and you, you have the blocks and you take one out at a time without knocking the whole thing over. And you have to like keep going, keep going until the whole tower falls. And you take it out and put it back on the top. You keep doing that over and over again. Oh, they make it top heavy and it'll finally tip over. <laughs> you don't put it on there, yeah. But the Angry Birds <laughs> Jenga, the way they did it, because in the Angry Birds Star Wars, you have to you have these little birds and they're like Luke Skywalker and some of them have like different powers, like the force, some can use a lightsaber, and you shoot <laughs> them at the um, stormtrooper little birds. But there's like blocks and stuff in the way you have to knock over. So on the game they they made it where you have the block set up and you have to you take a slingshot, a real slingshot, and you sling your little bird at the tower. 
Really? It's really cool looking. Yeah. Uh, what did I see? I seen something today on TV. Oh, the Lego Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they've had they're... those for a while. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they've been like, doing Lego, Lego Star Wars. Indiana Jones and all that They stuff. have Lego yeah. Star Wars for years. They even have Lego Star Wars games. Well, Lego I, Lego I was talking about like TV series, Lego. Yeah. Lego yeah. Star Wars. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't watch that much TV. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a Lego ninja thing on... Uh... <laughs> on Cartoon Network, my little brother loves that. Jaden's watched that. I've seen it a yeah. couple times. Yeah, I, it works. Yeah. I mean, they're just... I know it's computer animated, mm-hmm. but they look like Legos. That's true. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't understand why there's some Justice League movie. They are. Oh, they are? Mm-hmm. When it's is that supposed to be coming out the same year that the Avengers 2 is coming out. Oh, I told okay. you. They're, they're making Thor 2. Yeah. Are they? they yeah, they, Nat, they had uh, they casted Natalie Portman in it. She was a pretty good actress. I think it was. Well, movie. she was in the first one. Oh, she was. Yeah. Uh huh. She was the love interest. Yeah. She was in the first one. Yeah. yeah. God, I, I seen it. Oh wait, okay, I seen. It. I know what happened. Yeah. It was a really crappy copy. <laughs> it was hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, we, we we can't. You know, That's all I'm saying. I was gonna say we. That's can't, all I'm saying. We it was a bad copy. It was hard to watch. That's all I'm saying. What happened, folks, is she got a screener from Marvel, and, and that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened right there. So I am David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. I'm Mary Illich. And remember, boys and girls, there's nothing better. <laughs> that's even wrong. <laughs> there's no rivalry like, there's there's no no rivalry like a sibling rivalry. Available for PDF and Kindle download completely free. But if you boys and girls out there aren't much into reading and you would prefer to listen to the story, we have now available an audio version of the end, which is, will be available same day, and it, it will be 99 cents. And again, that'll happen during episode three of Sibling Rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up. Also, folks, I wanted to bring up um, this week was the first week that we launched the Jaisal Modcast Live. And I checked my email this morning, as of Sunday morning, and we have received 14,500 hits. Which I think is pretty awesome. It is. Unfortunately, it was all free. (laughs) So no money made this time around, but you know, there's always next week. So you guys, when you hear this, realize that Christmas is just right around the corners. We have families we need to feed, too. <laughs> Don't make me grovel. They took that out, of course. Yeah. Really? Yeah, of course. Of course they took it out. They. That's what I like about the Nintendo. Nintendo franchise, the Wii lets you play the GameCube games and the Wii games. Not even that. Look at the DS. Okay. In the Not DS, to... you can play... You can play the Game Boy Advance games and the DS games and the DS 3D games. 3D games. So the 3D... Three, right, three D games. I can't say those. Three DS. There we go. <laughs> because Jaden, like I said, Jaden has the three DS, mm-hmm. um, and he can play. He actually has an old Game Boy Advance game. It's yeah. like Super Mario Kart or something. Yeah. That he's he's played. He can pop out the front. And yeah. Put it in. When I had my um, my DS, I had like the old Yoshi and the Pokemon, all that. You can play them in there. Just find the three the Game Boy Advance game. Mm-hmm. And the 3DS lets you play the Game Boy Advance games, lets you play the D- regular DS games, and the 3DS games. I That's like that about the Nintendo franchise, though, that they yeah. let you carry games it's, over. It's completely backwards compatible in the way they make the, the designs for their systems. But the PlayStation 
they're like, no, we're going to let you do it for the first time, but then you know what? We're going to lose money, so no, we're not going to let you do that anymore. Basically what they did. Yeah, right. that's why they're remaking them on PlayStation Store. Yeah. And they're, they're re-releasing re yeah. it at GameStop so people can go back and buy the games. For your PlayStation. Well, you can even buy PlayStation 2s again now. Mm -hmm. Well, it, you guys talking that make me think i seen it. When did I see this? It was a Facebook post. Mm -hmm. And it showed the old Nintendo. And it said the reason why, you know, the... They haven't put the old Nintendo um, games onto the new Wii system. Yeah, is because they didn't want people my age to like start being unemployed and just become video game addicts. <laughs> yeah, I have a, a when I first bought my GameCube, I got the it came with a disc and it has four of the old Legend of Zelda games. It has the original, the second one, and then it has two that were on the um, the Nintendo sixty four. Really? Yeah, mm -hmm. I saw it somewhere, and I was like, I love it. I was like, so excited about it. The but the ones for the regular Nintendo are super hard. I'm like, oh my god, I keep dying. Like, why is this so hard? It's just <laughs> know, little when pixels. You're, when you're a kid, man, those things are so easy and fun. It's they... weird though. Like, they, it's it's harder to play the old games than it is to play the new games. Yep. Well, uh, what was it? Kirby's 25th anniversary came mm. out. And one of the games that you can play on there was the original Kirby game on the original Game Boy. Yeah. So on the screen you have it's you know unless you have a, a you know a box TV you know yeah. tube set but we have you know widescreen TVs in our house. Yeah. So on each side of the widescreen is completely black and in the middle is a little box is, is a little <laughs> box and it's still black and green. That's funny. I played that thing for at least three hours. Jaden was so <laughs> irritated. And he was like, Dad, get off it. I want to play it. I'm like, no, just a couple more. You know. And you're thinking, Game Boy. Yeah. You know, what can they do to make the game hard? It was just Game Boy. It was yeah. very simple. That game was hard. Yeah, those older games are hard. And that's why I kept playing it, because I couldn't beat a certain level. Yeah. And, like, I know I can beat this level. I've done it. You know, I did it, like, 20-something years ago. I know I yeah. can do it now. But, yeah, he finally kicked me off. Speaking of 20 years, you guys know that PlayStation is over 20 years old now? Really? Mm-hmm. PlayStation 1 came out... Uh, 1990... Eight, 1980. 80? Mm -hmm. That would have made it... 30. 32 years. 30. No, yeah, you're right. It's 1992. Yeah. Original PlayStation. I had the. I remember playing the original PlayStation, and I was not impressed. I, I was like, I like Sega better. <laughs> yeah, I, I played, um, <clears throat> and I don't know why I remember this game. Maybe it was the very first game that I played on yeah. PlayStation. It was Spiral the Dragon. Spiral the Dragon was one of my favorites. That's one of the first games I played on, too, and then J Jack and Dexter, is that what it's called? Jack and Dexter. Yeah. Jack yeah. and Dex, isn't it? No, it's Jack, Jack and Dexter. Dexter. I played that game on the original PlayStation, too, and I played the Spiral Dragon. Well, I played Spiral. Yeah. And... I was maybe 15, 20 minutes into the game. Mm -hmm. I literally had to jump up and go puke in the bathroom. It just made me nauseated because I was so <laughs> used to... Okay, for me, it was early 80s, I had the Atari. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then early 90s, I had uh, the NES, the original Nintendo yeah, system. Yeah, we had the original Nintendo system. And then mid-90s, I went to Sega Genesis. No, we also had the... We had a Super Nintendo also. We? Yeah, because I still have one of the games. It was the Mario Brothers Super Nintendo. I don't remember. But it broke. Like right away? Yeah, we only had like two games for it. We had the Mario Brothers Super Nintendo, we had something else, and it broke. 
think you got it for Christmas or something like that. Or it was for both of us or something. Really? Yeah. Because I still have the game somewhere for it. It's like, it's, because we have, I have all the regular NES games mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. But it was the game that, the NES, the NES game shaped like this. Right. This one was like this and had the lines through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still, I have the game from that still, but. So that's from the Super NES? Yeah, the Super Nintendo. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, so let's, we'll throw the Super Nintendo in the mix, and then we got the Sega Genesis. Yeah. From the Sega Genesis, I played one of our cousins, you know, uh, first PlayStation. Yeah. So going from, what was Sega Genesis? It was only, what, 32-bit? Yeah. Or was it it at that point 64-bit? It was 32-bit. It was 32-bit? Because in this Nintendo 64 that came out, was 64-bit. Yeah. Right, right, Nintendo 64. Yeah. So, okay, so it was... 32 bit, and then how many bits was the first PS PS One? Um, I can't tell you. <laughs> well, it was a lot more. It was yeah, different. It was, yeah. Yeah. Because for one, you I remember what made me nauseated was I could literally do a whole 360. That's <laughs> my grandma and my aunt have the same problem. They get they severe motion sickness when they see like games nowadays. Because you can move around anywhere. Right. It's not just a slide game. Yeah, you're not sliding across the screen. Yeah. And see, that's what I was used to. And I think that's why I'm not that big of a game player now. Yeah. Well, maybe not so much. Because I've played, you know, the Wii's games. uh, You know, and you have full 360 motion. And and that didn't make me sick. So maybe it was just the transition of moving from, uh, what did you guys call it? You know, where there's just one angle. Side scrolling. Side scrolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To a whole 360 degree is yeah. what kind of made me nauseous. I remember, this is all subject, but I remember this. I remember for one year for Christmas when I was eight, because I had, I had the, the Sega mm-hmm. Genesis, and my mom bought me Tekken, and I remember this game, okay? You had to buy this certain thing that you stuck into your Sega Genesis in order to play this game. Do you remember that? Yeah. The Genie. What was, the Genie, what was that about? I was all pissed off. I was like, I can't play this game. It doesn't because I didn't have that thing that you stick in there. My mm. mom didn't know. She's like, I didn't know that. It was what. like an add-on cartridge thing because the GameCube had the same thing. But why? The GameCube never had that. Yeah, it did. What? Uh, for certain games, there was this thing you would put on the bottom of it and you put. The Is thing that why my GameCube wouldn't play certain games? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, when I had my GameCube, I was I would rent games. I'd be like, Why won't this game play? It says it cannot play on this system. I'm like, What? Yeah. I I I don't know. I, I've never figured that out. That you had to have. When you buy a system, that should be it. There right. shouldn't be like. I mean, I understand like, like they have the motion sense. Okay, that's different. Yeah, yeah, I understand you have to buy that separately. But when you buy a game, you shouldn't have to buy anything extra to play another a game for that system. That doesn't make sense to that's me. That's what I'm saying. Because I remember uh, some of the PS2 games. It was like it, at the time they weren't. Now it's all like downloadable content for yeah. like you know it's extra for games. But back. In PS2, like, I remember I was trying to play Dynasty Warriors, and my mom got me this game, and I told her I liked Dynasty Warriors, okay? Yeah. And she got me this thing, and she thought, you know, it would be a good game. Turns out, I had to have the previous two to even play this game. Yeah, I remember some of the, the PlayStation 2s, they weren't compatible to certain games. Like, if they made a new PS2, you couldn't play some of the old PS2 games. Because they had a PS, they have a PS2 Slim, it's, like, really tiny. Really? And that Slim... It wouldn't play a lot of the older PS games that PS2 games that played on the bigger PS2. Like mine's a big PS2. Right. You know, and you were talking about you know motion. You know that's really not new technology. No, I know. It's it's revamped technology for the users of today. Power glove. Mm-hmm. 
that that yeah. was I. Do you remember having? Remember we had the power yeah. when we were kids, and that's what it was. Is it was all. No, did you ever play the power glove? No, no okay. I've seen it though. No, back in the day, they this was would... before his time. You have to remember, he's five years younger than me. <laughs> Wasn't it an exoskeletal three three dimensional thing? That's the way they portrayed it uh-huh. on. It wasn't that it wasn't that fabulous, but <laughs> no. But the the thing was, is if you watch the commercial, it would be like they're moving their arm here and there and doing this and doing that. Yeah. But in reality, you're. Your buttons were your fingers. Yeah. Every time you moved your finger, neither like you moved your thumb, it would move up. You moved your index finger, it moved down. Or it's almost like a keyboard. Up. Right. It was like a keyboard on your hand. But still, that was. Yeah. Motion. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, I don't know why I had to bring that in, folks. I, just... I still think that that the motion detection is getting so like like a lot better. Like it's getting awesome. Merry Christmas and welcome to Sibling Rivalry. I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Inch. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's working on a pitch to get his own podcast show. I don't need a pitch, I just never mind. But um, I, I was sitting there wondering about the whole Christian thing. Who do you think is more in, in the, the public eye? Do you think it's a Santa Claus figure? Or do you think it's a more religious figure, like, you know, Jesus? I, I think it's half and half. Because a lot of people who are Christians, you know, they rec- to their kids they recognize Santa to their kids. Right. But they say, you know, it's about Jesus' birthday. And then some people just celebrate Christmas for Santa Claus. Right. But I think, I think it's half and half. What about you? I agree. I, I, mean, I believe that, like, Santa Claus is bigger... Because, you know... Of the marketing kind of thing. Marketing, yeah. yeah, marketing type thing. Like, you go out and you go to the store and everything is Santa Claus. You might find, like, one or two little nativity sets. Right. But Santa Claus is where they make their money. See, for us folks, one of the drawbacks for Christmas with Rebecca and I, we were taught... To, we, we never believed in Santa Claus. Yeah. And, and so we, we never had that experience. Did you believe in Santa Claus as a child? Um, very early on, until I realized they just said the presents in the closet, <laughs> and I got into them one year. I think if, if mom would have told me there's a Santa Claus, I probably would have acted a lot better when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um, now, for our brother, which we never speak about, but there is actually a, a middle child between the two of us. Uh, his name is Randy Jr., he grew up believing in the Easter Bunny. Everything. <laughs> the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. And see, folks, we grew up, literally, we never believed in the Easter Bunny. We never believed in Tooth Fairies or Christmas or the Leprechauns. And we never believed in any of that stuff because our, our mom was very pro-religion. Would that yeah. be appropriate statement? Yeah. So, you know, she never taught us about it. <laughs> so we never, maybe that's why we're so imaginative. Maybe. <laughs> but our, our middle brother, Randy, he grew up believing this. And one of the... I was the unfortunate person that had to break it to him. I think we were at the age of 10 or age 11. And I had to break it to him that there was no Santa Claus. Now, mind you, I'm almost six foot two, But, you know, back then I wasn't that tall, obviously. Yeah. But I, I was tall for my, my size and whatnot. 
Randy has always towered both of us. You know, yeah, he's super what, tall. What is he like? Six, 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 seven, six, 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 seven. six. Okay, between six, 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 seven. He's a very big guy, um, and he was always big growing up. He was always bigger than me. Now, I want you to imagine you have two ten or eleven year olds standing in a small little living room, and one is all excited because Santa Claus is coming to town, <laughs> and the cynical Dave, which. I guess has happened at an early age somewhere, thought it would be funny to say there is no such thing as Santa Claus. Now, mind you, this behemoth of a child <laughs> burst into tears. He was weeping. And he looked at me dead in my eyes and he goes, the next thing you're going to tell me is there's no Easter Bunny. <laughs> and I had to break it to him you know yes there, there is no such thing as the Easter Bunny you know and, and I, I don't want to sound like and you, you say I don't think you've actually ever said it on air but you've told me you've told Aaron you know that you think I'm very egotistical true maybe it is because of my ego <laughs> yeah yeah, it's getting pretty big. <laughs> and she dropped out, and then you know Ron died, who was going to play the professor. Uh, he he actually he did he croaked. Um, I know that's what I mean, <laughs> but he did. He, he died. He was he was young too. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Sibling Rivalry. This is David K. Montoya. This is Rebecca C. Lofgren, and I'm Aaron Oach. And this is Ham Haldasian, and I am special commentator and presenter to the 2012 awards. Thank you. Since today is the last day of 2012, we decided to do the best of 2012. We've checked our references and we found out best movies, best video games, best songs, best artists. So we're going to go through. Miss Kardashian is going to present the award and you know then we'll have a conversation also folks just to let you know we are watching a timer we're ticking down we're going to end 2012 here on this show that's what I say what are you saying I can't understand a damn thing you're saying that's so hot what <laughs> <laughs> Miss Kardashian, give it a, another whirl. What do you got? Well, that's what is a best song. Best song? Yeah, that's what I said. It's a best song. Okay. The best for best song. Best song? What? <laughs> is it is it a silk or what? The best fucking song. Call me baby. The Hollywood. I'm the I can't understand the thing she's saying. <clears throat> Give me the paper. Okay, the winner of best song is "Call Me Maybe" by Carly Rae Jepsen. That's that. 
<clears throat> okay, just sit down. Relax. Sit down. We're good. Okay, now I, I just heard this song just a couple minutes ago. This is what we were talking about last episode. And I, I have to agree that just within a few seconds of hearing the tone and the voice and the singing and the lyrics, that just turned me off completely. And then, that's a hot. Hey, that's a hot. Would you shut the hell up? That's a hot. Okay, sit down. We all have our opinions. Just sit down. Yeah, for Christ's sake, leave us alone. Maybe you want to lay down. Maybe you want to relax. Maybe you want to lay in your tanning bed some more. Okay? <laughs> this is a hot. Mexican cocoa. <laughs> oh, I think we're going to have a two-hour show here. <clears throat> yes, it. Just dance in, dance in the corner. I'll, I'll read a few of these. Okay, just stand over there away from the mic. It's like yelling at a barking chihuahua. <laughs> Won't stop. Why would you just stop? I hit my cabin in the wood. That's why I shot my chef video because I look so damn hot. Okay, thanks for that bit of information. I did. I, I got dead and dirty at the cabin in the woods. Okay, good job. Well, obviously, you weren't in the cabin in the woods because uh, you aren't dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get the humor. What, what's funny? I don't get I did a sex tape and cat in the wood, and, and then I made my million dollars, and, and now I'm with this rich guy, and he, he done me, and just sit down. Sit. That's it. Sit. We're going to have to get some trick lighting or something. Let me get this right, Miss Kardashian. You were one of the ones that was attacking the people? No. She made a sex tape, <laughs> and then she killed her career in the cabin in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you trying to kill me, Joker? Why are you trying to kill me, Joker? Are you talking about Batman? I made a movie with how Batman rises, and it was really good. Shut up, bad bitch. (laughs) Sit down and drink your martini. Christian Bell has just entered the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I'm a dude. I'm, I'm not really heavily into the I think you would like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very action-y. Because I'm Christian Bell, and I need action. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real... Okay. All I can say is, basically... For anybody who's been following the Twilight movies, it's uh-huh. the movie that actually made the series finally. Like, it, it, it cemented it together? Not even that it cemented it together. It's like, you know, you go to watch them, and they're, the other f- three, yeah, the other three were enjoyable. Three, right? Or four. How many movies are there? Four. Four. This is the fifth one, huh? Yep. Okay, then. No, yeah. no, no, there's four. There's, there's four, four movies, but this is the fifth Twilight movie. Twilight Yeah, there's five movies. Yeah. The other four, they were okay. The acting was okay. I mean, it was a story you, you, girls can get into this. Right. But the new Twilight was amazing. It was all the action you've been waiting for. It was the acting that you've been waiting for. 
it was just an awesome overall movie. Aaron went to see it with me, and he liked it. It was the action I was waiting for. <laughs> um, I'll probably see it, you know, because that's one thing I've always done for Lacey. So I, I, yeah, you know, you're going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's inevitable. It's a good movie. I think you like it. But every time, you know, it comes out on DVD, I would, you know, pick it up for the, the day it drops. I yeah. pick it up for it on DVD. So, mm. the only one that I haven't seen thus far, other than part two, is I haven't seen part one. Uh, but Lacey's seen them all. We have it. Borrow it. He's like, no! <laughs> what, part one? Yeah. No, I have part one. I just haven't watched it. Oh, okay. He's like, I refuse. Are <laughs> <laughs> you seeing it in his eyes? He's like, I refuse. And then number five is Skyfall. And that's the new James Bond movie. That damn guy. Oh, he's so Shut up, bitch. Nobody's talking to you. Drink your damn martini. I if the, I do okay. And you know what? Uh, one time I was told that I Skyfell before. And I fell. Uh, but a man was behind me. It was like uh, backwards. And then uh, you're coming down. It was proud pain. And we were going down the circle. And he said, I'm destroying the Skyfall. What? Is the Skyfall on your what ass and bounce? What did you just say? Oh, I wish you had more celebrities over more often. This I know. And the biggest surprise of all, number eight, is the Fifty Shades box set. <gasps> oh my god, I want it for Christmas! I said that I, I would love to set it up and let it read. Well, I wouldn't read really because I can't really read, but I had my hot boy here read it to me, and it would just stay me. And it'd be really good because he don't read. I don't think Kanye West can read. He can't rap, so I don't think he can read either. <laughs> yeah, don't you know he's a genius of a genius? <laughs> yeah. Scott, I, I want to get into this. Leave. Do something. I just have to, you pay me, then I hear the whole show. So I just buy my input. Okay. Yeah, that's true. We, we already forked out the cash. Sit down. Okay, go ahead. Number nine is... That doesn't mean read the, fri- the, read the fridge either, damn it. <laughs> I just said best video. And we made Billy, and we made Billy, and we did that video, and we came out, and we... Oh, no, 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 no. Video the- games. Video games, not video James. We all know who James is. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I think Kim is is finally going to stop. I don't... We can't judge this yet. We can only find out. Before you even get into being an assassin, you, uh... Or hunting. Yeah, in you're forest. hunting. It's cool. Yeah. Bears. Uh, kill bears. Rabbits. Mm-hmm. Foxes. Set traps to get food, fur, pelts. Leather. I have lots of fur. Lots of fur, my father. But, but not bad. It, it didn't have fast fur. Oh. Oh, it's been so far. I'm really bad, but he likes it the weather for. And that's it. And then it goes. Miss <laughs> Kardashian, we're not talking about your personal fur collection. We know you're into those abstract things. <laughs> but, we have better things to talk about than your personal fur. Mm-hmm. And number four is Dishonored. I've been Dishonored for. And I went, and you, I went and caught a chance to put it in the UK, 
And I asked, I said, hey, you also have some tea? And she was like, who the hell are you? And I'm like, I am King Kardashian, bitch. I am famous. I am sexy. And, 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 and but, and, 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 You've been up partying for way too many days, drinking way too many martinis, and getting way too much Botox. Go the fuck to sleep. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> okay, here we come. We're going to count down from 10. 10, 9, nine eight, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy, Happy New Year! All right, folks. What? How was it? You want you, you, yeah, you can close. That's cool. You, is it cool? Yeah. I guess. All right. Well, then I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. And I'm Hans Odessi. And remember, that I'm sexy as hell, but there's no rivalry better than a seven rivalry. God. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Alright kids, well I hope you liked it. Uh, I, I sit through and listen to it again and it was just really enjoyable and I laughed. Um, so maybe that's the thing I last come back and they'll do another, another, uh, you know, set in for Kim Kardashian. Alright, for this week I am David K. Montoya and if you guys just don't like reminiscing of the original program, then you're probably seeing red. Good night, and I'll see you next week. That was actually really difficult for me to put together, you know, the, the best of. Um, in fact, I, I've thought about putting together, you know, the next set of best ofs. Um, but the first six was really difficult because even though the quality of the sound may have been kind of rough, I felt that the content was very good. Um, I just really enjoyed it. And, you know, it, it's kind of fun to listen to from then, you know, the first episode one through six. And, and here we are in our sixties, episode sixty something close, you know, we're, we're getting close to episode seventy. I think in May is when we're going to hit episode seventy. And it, it's just kind of funny to hear the content and the, the conversation, how it's gone from then when the beginning to now. Uh, you know, Rebecca and Aaron both weren't much talkers at all. And I used, uh, 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 way too much. Uh, more so than I probably even realize. Uh, it's, it's just a connector of words. Uh, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed Scene Red, episode number 38. See, I, I think I used uh, a couple times right there, not even realizing it. I caught myself on the back end of that uh when I did it. Okay, let's go ahead and let's start with the next podcast show. Shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake. Okay. 
one of these days I'm going to have to put out a, like a, a live feed to see, to show you what I'm talking about because shaking and baking me going shaking bacon probably doesn't do very much justice is exactly what I'm doing. Okay. Let's see. This is a nice big one. Let's see. We've got, let's see. This is What We Think, number 23, and it was released November 16th, 2013, and this is Understanding a Difficult or a Different Culture. Sadie and Dave start off talking about Hugh Jackman and his two new movies, Les Miserables and The Wolverine. Afterward, they chat about the animated movie project and how Japanese culture ties in. Um... This is just as I'm I'm starting to kind of fill people in more and more on the Yeltnum project. Back then, I wasn't even allowed to really talk about the name of Yeltnum. But, you know, that's been a while ago. So, okay, let's go ahead and get this party started with what we think, number 23, Understanding a Different Culture. And I'll see you on the other side. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Since we're no exception, this is What We Think. I'm S. Sadie Burbank. And I'm David K. Montoya. Welcome. How are you? <laughs> I think I'm okay. I've been sitting here watching you for the last, what, minutes, uh, playing with the computer, going, how the hell do you know what you're doing? Because <laughs> you know I'm so electronically challenged, it's pathetic. Um, I, I'm, I'm still a little frazzled, but... We'll yeah. get through this. Well, we had mic trouble, we had playback issues, we had uh, program issues, and all. now I think we're good, and we've started with a new opening. <laughs> yes. For reasons that I'm I'm not aware of, but you are, because it was your idea, so well, that's cool. when I called, um, we talked about this last week, is because originally with the, it's Monday night, yeah. it was just such a pickup. Yeah. But now with our new format... Uh, we pick you up and we just kind of drop you and, and we carry out on a low level conversation. Ah, As to before, you know, I we see. were before we were doing moving lot right along and moving quickly. Yeah. So I think this number one, it gets you to say an, an actual catchy. Oh, it's so catchy. Intro. Was it catchy? Did it sound catchy? To me, it did. Oh, cool. All right. Well, hey, you're the one that listens and decides. So, yeah, I like it. It's it's cool. So, before we started recording, I said that something happened. I tried to find it on YouTube, but I'll mm-hmm. explain it. Okay. Um, what? Let's see. I seen the movie. We'll just leave it at that. The okay. The are raw. And S- most of it you saw. Most of it, yes. Yeah. And uh, because I fell asleep at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or okay. close to the end. Okay. Well, it was the point where Hugh Jackman died, so I don't know how close I was to... You were very close to the end oh, at okay. that point. Okay. Well, anyway, when Hugh Jackman's die, well, he's getting ready to die, mm-hmm. um, Anne Hathaway, her ghost appears. Right, right, right. And so then she's comforting him to, mm-hmm. to move towards mm-hmm. the light and all that stuff. Right. Well, if you notice, now I want you to go, if you have the movie, any listener, I want you to pop in the DVD player as I'm saying this. When the other two start talking... You know, as he's, he dies, 
you'll notice behind the characters, behind Hugh Jackman and behind, I can't remember the other two that were there. Yeah, right. You see Anne Hathaway on her hands and knees crawling up the aisle. You you can visually see this. And I don't know why no one's caught it. I totally don't even know what you're talking about. I don't I up the aisle of the cathedral? Yes. Because the priest is in there. Well, because the priest is standing in the cathedral well, she's in a the ghost. aisle. She's a ghost, right? Yeah. Well, instead of going and, and doing her scene, making a cut and just her walking away, they kept rolling. So in order for her to disappear, she had to get down on all hands. I don't no. know. I don't, I don't remember ever seeing that, and I know Ernie would have noticed. Let me ask you this. What, where did you get your, the, what, the one you looked at? Netflix? It was online. Oh, well, hello. Come on. Be fair. I mean, look at an actual real that DVD. Is, that of is the an movie. actual real DVD. Uh, maybe, maybe. Go not. watch it. Okay, I will. I will. We don't actually have it. But it was on um, today on. Um, 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 oh, I don't. Know. I think it's on. It was Netflix, on. It? it was on um, one of the movie channels. Okay. I don't. I don't know which one. But I can. I can find it someplace, and I will. I'll even if I have to go online and do it that way. I will because I. I totally never saw anything like that. But even if that's true, that isn't her doing. Because you were saying you'd, you know, you'd take back her Academy Award for that. Well, that wasn't her doing. That was just bad editing. Yes. And, and it's crazy and because... Probably she was being directed to you know get up there however you can or something like that, I guess. I don't know. Because you think after Not she... Not seeing it. I, I'm, I'm just guessing here. A del, you know, after delivering the line, you would think they would go, okay, cut. Yeah. Let her walk off yeah. scene and then yeah. start you, another you scene. Would, you would think. But she, I, they kept the, the cameras rolling. Totally don't have a clue and i've seen this several times where i was actually sitting and watching it now sometimes i have it on just because i like to listen to the music right you know because for me the music is very stirring i i'm not an opera fan per se and you know when i when you and i were talking about les mis on a previous podcast yes uh it was in a totally different reference for totally different reasons um and I neglected, I think I neglected to mention to you that it is an opera. Right. And as such, every, almost every word that's spoken in this movie is actually sung, as is the case in most operas. Right. They, you know, that's what operas do. You know, it's kind of strange, but they sing things like, I'm going out to mow the lawn, darling, you know, shit like that. So, um, you have to, if you don't appreciate that, form of musical expression, then you just have to kind of overlook it and look beyond that to uh, the acting quality or the the performing quality that the various actors, you know, bring to it. And uh, again, we were talking about a totally different situation. Right, right. But I had off-air commented to you that you know, Anne Hathaway basically won the Academy Award for singing a song. Right. Because all of, she was in more than that of the movie, but the the performance that she gave when she sang that song, "I Dreamed a Dream." Right. Uh, I don't I don't know how it affected you, but I mean, I cry even now when I see that she she didn't just sing the song; she was. She was really good in it. 
<laughs> it's really hard for me to because I don't. I'm not a um, an actor. I'm not right. a you know. I don't know the terminology that well. Um, I just know that that it made me feel she was feeling what she was singing. You know. Well, yeah. In in a way I've never seen anybody do before. She it was brilliant. I I for what for the most part I enjoyed it. I think. Yeah. It's just not my cup of tea. I I totally get that. But again, when we first started talking about it, it was for a whole different reason. Right. That I even brought it to your attention. Otherwise, I pr- probably never would have said, "Gee, David, you got to see Les Mis," because I know that's not going to be your cup of tea. But what is know. my cup of tea with Hugh Jackman is I I uh, finally seen Wolverine, the yeah. new one. Good, huh? It was pretty good. I, yeah. I was. Yeah, he's he makes a damn fine Wolverine. <laughs> there was a couple of, of parts in there that made me scratch my head, like, "Huh, what's going on?" You well, know? see, I, you know, and, and 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 that's probably the difference between us. You you look more at the technical side of things like that than I do. I tend to let myself get lost in a movie. I really do. Ernie does too, which is one reason we're very compatible that way, because we we do watch a lot of movies together. I record a lot of movies on television, all kinds of movies, and uh, because he's not always there to see them, and I know he's going to want to watch them, you know, later. Right. Uh, and and he he and I are on the same wavelength in in what we get out of a movie, any movie, any kind of any genre. It's like it hits us both the same way. So it's kind of cool because, you know, we really enjoy the movie together. It's, I don't know how to say it better than that, but anyhow, you sort of, you get what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> well, my thing was is with the, the Silver Samurai, you know, the big giant robot. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he has spoilers. Um, spoiler if, alert, spoiler alert. Yeah. If, if, uh, if you're not, into understanding any of Wolverine's origins from the previous movies. I'm not even talking about should, comic books. I'm just talking yeah, about. Yeah, you should see a. You should yeah. see. Should see the first Wolverine. Really, don't you think? Well, I, I think you should see all X Men one, two, and yeah, three. Yeah, exactly. Wolverine. Yeah, you can't just bounce origins, in yeah. and out of right. that. Because he has this, these claws. There are three claws that come out of his hands, both hands, and they're covered in uh, a fictitious metal that's called adamantium. Yeah. Now, adamantium is supposed to be unbreakable. Well, in this new Wolverine movie, uh, the Silver Samurai, which is a giant silver samurai robot, right, uh, has this heated uh, sword. Yeah. Katana. That's the word I was looking uh-huh. for. And he cuts Wolverine's claws off. Ah. And so there you go. And now I'm like, now they're not impervious anymore. Wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe he needs a new coating of adamantine or whatever the hell. Right. Uh, uh, Maybe he needs a Manny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, can you do my? Can you do my Manny? Wouldn't it be cool if he had toes that did that too? Wow. Mm. But I. Um, then he'd need a petty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Just, just to go off on anyway. a little bit of ger- uh, geekdom. Geekdom. Yes. Um, because you said toes in the yeah. comic books, they actually created a a clone of him. Uh huh. But the clone turned out to be a female. And <laughs> Hardly a clone, then. But I digress. Um, I mean, a clone is, by definition, an exact copy. Right, right. But well, DNA copied. 
Well, either way, it's still going to be an exact copy. It's not going to be male or female. It's going to be whatever the thing is that it's cloning. True. Okay, anyway. Anyway, uh, one of the things that she has is, like Wolverine, she has claws that come out of her hands, but also two claws her. that come out of her feet See, as well. Yeah, she needs a petty. And Manny and a petty. That's, <laughs> that's a girl thing. All the, all the women listening, you know what I mean. And uh, let's see. Well, maybe some of the men, too. I yeah, don't know. That's true. Lots of men get petties. I've been, I have been to get a pedicure uh-huh. with a guy sitting right beside me. And not just a, an old fart that can't reach his feet anymore. There was a biker dude came in and got a petty, believe it or not. It is a little Harley vest and everything. <laughs> Serious, true story. Um, but anyway, so. Now that's a man's man, I'll tell you. It takes a lot of cojones to go into a beauty shop full of women sit down on a petty bar with a bunch of other women and have your toes done and walk out prideful as hell and never, never, no words, nothing. Just did, he did just like the rest of us. I thought that was pretty cool, actually. I I actually wouldn't have thought anything about it, to be honest with you. I, I would have ten years ago. I would have thought it was a little weird, but, you know, anymore, hey. I yeah. mean, men's have toenails too. Right. I didn't get them painted or anything, you know. Just got them gouged and you know cleaned and shit. But anyway. But anyway, back to Wolverine. Um, <laughs> way that was way off yeah. the boat. Way off the boat. Okay. It, it was a, a good story. The action sequences I thought was really enjoyable. Um, Plus, I just look at him. I don't give a fuck. He can just <laughs> he can just stand there. He doesn't even have to have his fingernails out. Just that six pack is worth looking at. You know, I mean, the man is his, he's built. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Some people have it. He's got it. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Uh, speaking of action, I see, because I've been watching a lot of, um, foreign Asian movies. More specifically, I've been watching a lot of Japanese movies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's, old ones or new ones? Um, both. Okay. And in fact, I think this one I saw was from the seventies. It was called The Last Blade Drawn. Mm. What a great movie! I yeah. Mean, and it was I. It was all subtitled, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But I. I was just. It was a. Japanese movies, for the most part, are really entertaining. I find them entertaining. I like them for a couple of different reasons. Uh, as you know, my husband's Japanese American. Yes. Uh, I, sometimes I'll put on Japanese movie when I can't watch it. I'm cooking or whatever. I like hearing the language spoken because it reminds me of being around my mom and dad, my right. mother and father-in-law. Right, right. Um, and so I, but I find the, the movies entertaining, whatever, usually they're about, they're either about samurais, uh, wronged women, Who've had to lead horrible, miserable lives because of the men in their lives, you know, and right. standing at the windows with the rain coming down, looking in and watching their daughters marry somebody and they can't be at the wedding and stuff. That's typical Japanese stuff. Uh, but they're, they're always, almost always well done. You kind of have to understand how they do. When I say they're well done, I mean for, for, <clears throat> For, I don't want to. I don't want to say this, but I'm going to anyway. For Japanese movies, they're well done. Right. Uh, you, you couldn't necessarily compare them to contemporary American movies. Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, because that's not 
where they come from. Well, no, that that's actually that's completely understandable. I mean, the seventh. Have you seen the Seventh Samurai? No. Have you seen uh, Zatoichi? Uh, Zatoichi is the blind samurai. Okay, I think I've seen that one. I ha- I actually have I have a a, a paper cone shaped snowman at home. Uh huh. It's a paper cone and he's got a ball on his head. And I got him at like seventy five percent off one January. Uh huh. Because the facial features of a snowman were all gone. The mouth was there, but everything else was gone. So I called him Zatoichi the snowman because <laughs> he's blind. Crazy, you know, there I am. Um, Zatoichi is a really cool blind samurai who, I mean, he hits that mark with that sword every time. Right. Oh, yeah. And you believe he's blind. He, the, the, the guy that, that, and I, I'm sorry, I apologize to the actor. I don't know the, the name of the guy that, that plays Zatoichi or played him. But, uh, it, he does it so well that you believe he's blind. Even when he's fighting and you know he can't be. Right. <laughs> you know it's not possible for a guy to be in a sword fight with 15 samurai and be blind and nail them all. Right. You know, but of course he does. You know, that's Zatoichi. He's, that's just the way he is. So yeah, I love Japanese flicks. But this movie was, it was really well done. Yeah. Um, they are. The, the storytelling was solid mm-hmm. and it was long. It was like almost three hours long. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed, they had me from the beginning to the end. Yeah. It's on Netflix. What's the name of it again? When the Last Blade is Drawn. I'll have to check it out because I, I don't remember it by name. There's I, a, there's probably a scene. Seen, do you know, 70s, you said? I believe it was in the 70s. Yeah. Um, unless they, they made it look like a period piece. You know how like you yeah, can digitally yeah. make film. Look, right. To me, it looked like yeah. 70s film. Yeah. Um, but there was just just one scene where the samurai is getting ready to he he does these different missions and he's given the the family his family money to survive on and he's about to go do something where he cannot return to his family at mm. all so it's his final goodbye to his family and the the son is considerably older than the daughter i think the daughter was like maybe 2 or 3 and, you know, the son's in his teens. And he's he's pretty much telling him, this is what I have to do. Take care of your sister. Take care of your mother. You know, mm-hmm. I love you. And the boy's getting ready to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And he says, we do not say goodbye, which is something I didn't realize. I, I actually looked into it. I guess it's part of cult, samurai culture to not say goodbye. Samurais oh, do okay. not say goodbye. Okay. And, um, and he... What do they say? Arrivederci? I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They if don't they have just, a substitute. They just bow and and, and go. Go. Well, okay. And uh, you know he gets about maybe fifteen twenty steps away from him, and then the little girl, his daughter, she's like, "Papa, papa," and it just broke my heart because you know this guy, he's already just he's bad. There's no other way to say it. Yeah. he's bad yeah. with a katana. Yeah. You know. But that instant, you lose sight of him being a, a samurai, you know, a killer. Yeah. At that moment, he's and then he's, a, he's dad. a dad. Yeah. And you can see, I mean, the guy just portrayed it so well in, in his acting. Yeah. Uh, you could see the torment. He was trying not to turn around because yeah. he didn't want to say goodbye. Yeah. He stops, 
and he turns around, and the little girl, you know, comes and runs, and he, he oh. you know, gives her one more hug, and it just, it, it did. It was that's just, cool. It was now was movie. the the story itself taking place in samurai times, or was it taking place in contemporary times? Um, how do I explain this? The story begins in 1899. Okay, there you go. But the story goes back into, okay. uh, you know, the, I think probably 18, see if that's 1899, I'd say probably 1830s. Okay. Is 1830s, 1840s, somewhere in there is when the story is being told. Somebody's yeah. telling the story. That's m- more of the period that most of the Japanese movies that I enjoy take place in, if I said that right. Um, I enjoy other Japanese movies that portray contemporary or more or less contemporary times. Right. Uh, for different reasons. But I, I like the, the ones that, that go back to, to feudal Japan. Yes. If you will. Uh, because there's, uh, even though you can't necessarily say, well, that's for sure how things were, there's a historical flavor there that I appreciate. Yes. Uh, whether things really were that way or not. Plus, they're almost always done in, in rural, uh, Japan, in, in terms of the, the, where they were photographed. Yes. And so I find that appealing as well. And the scenery was yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Scenery. Oh my god, it's it was beautiful gorgeous. country. Gorgeous country. Same with China, for that matter. China, uh, some of the old, <clears throat> Chinese movies, and there are fewer of those. I was just watching a Chinese... Turner Classic has been doing a a lot of Asian stuff lately, and they were talking about the the movies uh, in the 30s, early 30s in China, were almost non-existent because of the war. Really? Well, the war that they had, uh, there was... uh, There was war between China and Japan. Right. And uh, that almost wiped them out as far as those arts were concerned. Mm. You know, and then of course later there were other issues with the arts in China. But um anyhow, some of those movies I find also uh very appealing again because of the scenery. You know, just it's a gorgeous country. Beautiful country. So with that said, yeah. There's going to be a different flavor to a Yotno. Uh-oh. I've gone Uh-oh. back and added certain elements that okay. I feel that is because I want I want people to look at the the watch the film whether it be animated or live action uh, there's there's a story that I'm trying to tell mm-hmm. and obviously it's going to be animated and I want it to be true and I know this is kind of an oxymoron to say it but I want it to be true art um though I want it to be an art form through animation the story I want to be true and the more I learn about the Japanese culture, specifically the Japanese samurai culture, mm-hmm. I feel like I can go back in and I'm implementing, you know, more that, mm-hmm. that's making it feel more authentic. Other than, you know, someone from Japan writing it, other than David Montoya writing mm-hmm. it. So right. that's that's right. what I'm working on. In fact... Give it some depth. Yes. In fact, um, the other night I started Act 3. Cool. Very cool. And, uh, Yay. it's, it's gonna be, I don't know, I hope I achieve what I'm shooting for. Just because I've, I've grown up on the, the manga 
which is, uh, you know, it's all import, Japanese import. Mm -hmm. I've grown up on that, and I feel like, and that was kind of one of the reasons why I decided to go and try my hand at animation instead of doing a live-action movie is because, number one, the market's... The the market's slim pickings because mm. Jap, uh, Japan, the manga movement has actually gone more towards publishing than producing film. Okay. So people like me who grew up enjoying this stuff, I think would would really appreciate it. Mm. In order, but in order to do that, you have to do it correctly. Mm. You have to tell the right story, the right type of dialogue. You know, the mm -hmm. right maneuvers that are used in, in the action sequences and, mm -hmm. and, and everything has to be right in order mm -hmm. for it to work. Yeah, a lot of the movies, uh, from out of Japan that, that we've seen, especially some of the older ones, we don't, uh, as Western eyes on these movies, we don't sometimes realize that these really are telling old stories or retelling, I should say, for uh, the benefit of the movie audience, they're retelling old stories passed right. down from generations gone by, just like we do here. You know, we uh, just did uh, Lincoln, for example. Uh, you know, with um, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I had the Lewis. I had the Day Lewis part, and I had. But I couldn't think of the Daniel part. Uh, that, in essence, is sort of the same thing. Right. We're retelling for contemporary eyes a, a, a story that's been passed down through generations to uh, the, the listeners and viewers today. Right. Uh, in the case of Japan, they go back not generations, but eons, <laughs> in a sense, you know. I mean, they have 5,000-year history. So right. So they, they, they've got a lot of stories. Uh, but they are, mm, nothing in Japanese art is accidental. Right. I, I get that too. You know, it's, 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 uh, not only is it not accidental, it isn't even newly invented. That's passed on as well. Right. Uh, if you look at a, uh, you can look at a picture of a stork, or a crane, uh -huh. and you cannot tell when that picture was made. And I don't mean a photograph. I mean a, a drawing, a, a drawing or a painting, pa painting of of a let's say a crane, or a persimmon, or um, a, a Japanese lady in a kimono uh, walking across a bridge. You cannot tell when that painting was made unless you're extremely good at spotting art painting techniques right. that are consistent with a certain period of art in Japan the average person cannot tell and the reason you can't tell is because they've always been drawn the same way there's a there's a way you do that right you don't deviate uh, the, the the part of the Skill is in perfecting that express that that artistic expression, whether it's dance, song, um, painting, uh, pot making, pot you know knife Pottery, making, yeah. uh, you know, because they've been doing it so damn long. Trust they know how to do it right, right, and they've known how to do it in a way they consider right. 
oops, I'm sorry, I hit my mic, in a way they consider right for thousands of years. You know, so there's very little need to fix it. Right. It ain't broke. And I get that. Because, in fact, one of the things is um, Aaron, my brother-in-law Aaron, who's Mm -hmm. actually, you know, he's one of the producers on the film, and we're discussing things. And when I told him about animation, he he asked me if I was going CG. And Mm -hmm. I said, no CG. Mm -hmm. And he's like, really, why? I said, because it's manga. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Japanese cartoons. Mm-hmm. It's manga. Yeah. You do not see Japanese cartoon manga. It's CG. CG. Yeah. It's yeah. hand drawn. Yeah. It's always hand drawn. And even though you you can't say necessarily that Japanese cartoons have been around, you know, for five thousand years. Right. Right. Uh, still the the drawing techniques basic have. Yes. It's like calligraphy. You know, Japanese calligraphy is, is it's interesting. Japanese language and uh, both written and spoken uh-huh. evolve oddly. Uh, for example, my in-laws were American-born, uh-huh. educated in Tokyo as children, right. young people, because that was the tradition to do with first-born generation, or first-generation American-born Japanese kids. They didn't want them to lose their cultural ties. So right. they took them, to, took them to Japan to educate them so that they had the education, at least in their history and, and their culture, right. along with their Americanization, so to speak. Uh, when I was talking to my father-in-law one day about Japanese language and... I said, I, I don't know, in, uh, cousins had come from Kobe right. to visit. And I said, it must have been nice to be able to visit with them in Japanese. And he said, I hardly knew what they were saying. And I said, well, you know, you speak Japanese. Mama speaks Japanese. Mama didn't know either. Because just like our language here, uh changes with the addition or subtraction of verbiage or phraseology that we're not familiar with anymore that uh, or uh, usage that we're not familiar with anymore right theirs does too so uh, not only does the the spoken language change so that you don't know what they're saying and and that's your <laughs> And you know Japanese, okay? Right. You don't know what they're saying. You can't tell, you can't read what they've written either. It gets, it gets slightly distorted. So you don't always know what they mean. And I found that very interesting. I thought, because he said, if you took me to Japan right now and put me on a street corner, I wouldn't be able to tell anybody what I wanted. Because it's different now different than it words. was when he was there being educated as a young person. Right. You know, which is kind of freaky when you think, I mean, because even here, if you, if you took somebody from, uh, uh, let's say Abraham Lincoln's time, right. okay, and brought them here, and they've done that with movies, they've gotten, you know, let's take them back there and see how they fare, and you know, and it's kind of tricky, you know, because we don't have horse and buggy, you know, they don't know what a telephone is, you know, stuff like that. Right. Uh, but basically, we got, we would get along a lot better than, from what I understood him to say, than he would have in Japan because it's like totally different language now. 
There's so much change, and it's constantly evolving. So if you're not there doing it all the time, That's you come here uh-huh. for four or five years, you try to go back there, it's different. You're not, it's not going to be the same. <coughs> You're not in touch. At least that's what he told me. And I have no reason to doubt him. So I thought it was kind of interesting. I thought it was a little weird. And it, when everything else stays basically so much the same, right. the language just changes itself all over the place, which is strange. It me. is strange. Uh, oxymoron almost. So anyway. And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, better, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past to relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, better, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jazamon.com.
but yeah, so that's uh, one of the big things is a big key component to um, the the Yeltsin. Oh, and in fact, the main character. Um, it's interesting because we pronounce it as sensei, but mm-hmm. listening to them pronounce it, it's sensei. Mm. Um, Japanese pronunciation can be tricky. Yeah, it can be. And uh, and our interpretation of it even trickier. Yes. Yeah. And you want to hear Ernie? Now, he's he's second generation Japanese uh, American born. Right. Okay. He does not speak Japanese. He studied J- Japanese in college, and it was one of the hardest things he had to study in college. He has Japanese American dictionaries. I've read them. We used to look up dog names. Whenever we get a new dog, we'd look up a name in <laughs> Japanese American Dictionary just because we had one. But he, he, when he watches the Japanese movies, he has to read the subtitles along with me. He doesn't always know what they're saying. Sometimes he does. When it's family stuff, uh-huh. you know, in the, in the story, uh, and they're just talking about, I don't know, what they're going to eat or, you know, whatever, uh, I'll say, what did they say? And he'll, and he'll say, Oh, he's looking for his dog or, you know, whatever. Right. But if it's, if it's abstract content, he's got no idea what they're talking about either because he doesn't speak the language. Neither does Kenny, his brother. They don't speak the language. Kenny did a little more than, than Ernie because when mama, when daddy died, mama was still living and, uh, and he took Kenny, took care of them more and was around them more than Ernie because Ernie married me and we kind of went off on our own. Right. But his brother didn't marry and stayed with, not stayed with them, but was there around them all the time. So he had to speak, especially with Mama, because Mama didn't speak very much English at all, ever. And so Kenny, in order to actually do the business of taking care of her, he had to speak the language. Right. And so he did speak a lot more uh, Japanese than Ernie, and not so much anymore because, of course, they're gone. They've been gone since uh, 91, 90, 90, actually, 91, I don't know. Anyway, they've been a long time. Um, so, again, he would, you know, he would be able to speak with them because their knowledge of Japanese stopped evolving when they came back to the States and continued living in the United States, okay? Right. So the evolution of the language that was going on in Japan escaped them, so to speak, because they came back to the States. So it wasn't affecting them anymore. So their level, if you will, of Japanese language expression, even though they didn't know each other at the time, you know, they were young people. They didn't... You know, they, they were born here, they went there, educated, came back here, not knowing each other. Okay. But when they met, their level of communication was the same because of their time frame. Gotcha. Okay. So they communicated fine between themselves. You know, and, and then the kids, as the kids were growing up, what little Japanese they picked up. Right. Stayed, again, stayed at that level for the rest of mom and daddy's lives. That's why when the cousins came to visit, they, <laughs> they had a hard time understanding them. They didn't know what the fuck they were saying. You know, because they were back in Japan. They were living in Kobe. They, they they evolved with the language. Right. 
Weird. But the reason I bring that up is because we were going over and we were talking about things and, and, um, initially I was going to have, uh, the student to a Yotnam call a master. And you said no, it would be more, um, you know, more proper to have him called, to be called sensei. Mm-hmm. And the movie I, I was telling you about, you know, um, the last blade drawn. The the samurai is also a teacher, and um, they called him Cincy. Cincy. Let's see. Let me see if I can. Is it Cincy Mashatoro? Mashatoro. It depends on what his name was, because Cincy is teacher. Right. That's the honorific, and then the the rest that followed would probably have been his. His name, whether it was his last name or his first name, would have again depended on their um, association with him. And so, if they're referring to him as Sensei something or other, it's probably a last name. So yeah. I think uh, I'm going to try to play with it in the script. Yeah, otherwise, you get into that. Uh, um, uh, okay, let's use Hiroshi, which is Ernie's middle name. Okay. Um, again, traditionally, second generation Japanese American kids. American first name, Japanese second name, and then of course their their last name. So the the nod to their heritage uh, was taken up with the second name, right? Uh, and a big honorific nod to nod to their American new life, right? Right. Was given <clears throat> by having an Americanized first name. So his name is Ernest Hiroshi. That's his middle name. Okay, so let's take Hiroshi. If 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 I know him well, it's Hiroshi-san. If I don't know him well and he's my teacher, let's say Hiroshi is the last name, which is odd because Hiroshi's kind of like George. It's a it's a common first name, but we'll pretend that it's not. Uh, then it would be Sensei Hiroshi. So the honorific of the teacher is there, just like you you say Professor Smith. Right. Okay, so it would be Sensei Hiroshi. It's not likely that you would know the professor well enough to say, hey, Professor Harry, or anything even close to that. You know, right, right. you would be doing the Professor Smith thing. So in, in Japanese, you're doing the Sensei last name of the person thing, too. You know, so it's not... They wouldn't, it wouldn't become more familiar than that. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. If you're familiar enough with the, with the teacher to call him anything other than sensei, then you're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna switch all together and you're gonna be calling him by his name and adding son. Because that, that's the, that's the, it's kind of like saying buddy. That's gotcha. The, the friendly kind of thing that you're saying to that person. But again, it's, it's still a respectful, Kind of backwards honorific, if you will. Right. No, I, I follow you. And that's what I was going to say is that with that, I don't know if I want to travel down that road as far as dialogue-wise because it is it's English. I should point that out to everybody. Mm-hmm. It, the script is in English. Oh, yeah, because I do not speak Japanese, nor does Ernie, and we're both in the movie. Yes. Yeah. And um, so in order, you know, you know what I'm trying to say is, to go down that path would be almost kind of like, to me, it would be like almost a forgery of, of 
Well, and who, and I want to encourage you not to, uh, not to, in a sense, bite off more than you can chew, because you are not Japanese. Right. So it it kind of be like me trying to teach somebody how to make a tamale. Right. You don't know say, dude. <laughs> I'm not Mexican. I don't know how to make a tamale. I can't teach somebody how to do something like that. I barely can do it myself, and that's with the recipe and guidance and lots of help from some other hands, you know? Right. So so what I'm saying is, even though you're telling a story that is about the Japanese and the Japanese culture and whatever, don't force yourself into a mold you can't fit. You're not going to be able to tell it like a Japanese because you're not one. Right, right. So the most you can hope for is is geographical accuracy. Um, again, some terminology accuracy in the terminology, but you're you're uh, unless you're telling the story from the eyes of a Japanese person in the story, nothing. Um, then you 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 can be forgiven a lot, right? Okay, because. You're not Japanese. If you were, and you were telling a Japanese story about Japanese people from the eyes of a Japanese character in the story, a lot more would be expected. Right, right. Okay? But, like I said, you can, you can get around that by virtue of the fact, because nobody who knows that about the story is going to go, well, that's not Japanese accurate, you know, or whatever. Right. You know, that's not the way they really talk, or that's not the way they really do. Because in the first place, <laughs> most of them are not going to know, okay? Unless they're heavily into Japanese whatever. Culture. And if they are, they're probably not going to be reading Ayatnam anyhow. Right. I mean, come on. Probably not. And it's not being represented as... A Japanese story about Japanese people told from the eyes of a Japanese character by a Japanese. That's not, that's not where you'll be coming from. So it's not going to be expected to be, uh, you know, 110% accurate right. in its portrayal. <clears throat> no, like I said earlier, this is, um, this I mean, is... I appreciate you want to do, you know, as much accuracy in terminology and everything as possible. All I'm saying is cut yourself a little slack here. You know, don't don't go for the whole 100%, because it's not going to happen. Right. No, and that's what I was saying, is this is going to be, and, and anybody that, what I'm about to say, if, if they've watched it, they're, no, they're going to know the terminology. It's, uh, it's U.S. manga. So essentially what it is, is it's Japanese cartoons America, Americanized for our culture. There that's you go. Essentially, what it is. There you go. That's that's what. But I'm is on. it done by Japanese or is it done by Americans or is it done by Japanese Americans? Originally, it was all done from Japan. It was by all, Japanese. Yes. And then, well, see, now that's interesting too because they then they're they're trying to to conform a Japanese comic to what they think Americanized standards are. Equally impossible. But it works. Well, it may work, but it may not actually be any more, um, mm, how can I say this? 
if if you've got a Japanese and he's taking a, a comic right. and trying to Americanize it, it's not going to be any more Americanized in actual too. fact than if you take a, an American comic and try to Japanese it, right. as it were. It's not going to work on account of y'all got a border there between you, okay? A line of demarcation. And saying that was that's my goal is is I want it to be more traditional because there is obviously that that change in in the the art form. You know, things are are just becoming more digital. That's just the way it is. Well, this is true. And with comics, you might even get their. You mean cartoons? I mean cartoons. You might even get their better than real life portrayals. Right. Okay. Because again, look at a Japanese movie about contemporary times. Right. We've all seen them. Uh, they're they're especially the dubbed ones. Okay, where they're speaking, the actors are speaking Japanese, and they're driving automobiles and shit like that, okay? Uh, and the dubbing sounds like, uh, it's like totally not you know, that's funny. the way English, American people speak, right. because it's Japanese people speaking the way they think we speak, based on... Old movies they've seen when Elvis was around doing his thing, you know, and and it's hilarious to watch because of the terminology they use, and and they think they're being very contemporary with it when in fact they're thirty years behind the times. Right. I was going to say you know. the funny thing is is that there, there's actually a section on Netflix where you can find it. You got to dig for it, but yeah, it's under international. But yeah, you yeah. can find those. Yeah, and they're, and they're fun to watch in a way. It's it's like uh, the like the Godzilla movies, for example, the ones with Raymond Burr in it. Uh huh. Okay, and he's talking as though he was just you know in America making the movie. So what he says makes sense. But all the Japanese characters, when they're dubbed, they sound like 30 years before that. Right. Because they don't... Well, anybody, anybody that's bought a product that needs assembly that was made in Japan, and you look at the instruction sheet that comes with it, and it's written in English... It isn't written in English by people in America. Trust me. All you have to do is read the instructions a few times, and you go, "What did they say?" <laughs> what did they say? Yeah. And I can't think of a, a concrete example right now to to demonstrate what I'm talking about. But anybody that's ever read English instructions written in either China or Japan, you you know what I'm talking about right. because they're what. Well, it's choppy, but it's also worded oddly. And uh, you know, they uh, instead of saying uh, "put the screw in and turn it to the right," they'll they'll say "grasp the the you know thing." And, and <laughs> I don't know. They just they just they talk different, right? Because it's what they think we're talking like now, but they don't know any more about what we're talking like now than what than we know about what they're talking like now. And that's kind of the difference I was talking about in Japanese language, the way it's evolved and changed. It's very similar to that, but worse on account of we at least know what they're trying to get said. Right. But, again, with the Japanese, you have no fucking idea what they're saying. Well, there is one thing that I should tell you, too, that's happened this week is... um I'm actually going to put you in somewhere else, but the, oh, okay. the barmaid okay. I, I've taken out. Oh, no, my partner.
part. I can't be the barmaid anymore. Um, in fact, I took Here the whole... I was practicing all my Japanese bar tar- terminology, too. Were you yeah. really? No. Okay. Are you kidding? Um, just because... Uh, in fact, I took that whole scene out. Oh. Um, because cool. the... In, in so what am I now, a hooker? <laughs> <laughs> she laughed and he said yes. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. Oh, okay. Um, but... It wouldn't it it wouldn't work for oh. the simple fact that the more I like I said the more I'm learning about samurais, uh-huh. there is no way in hell a barmaid would be rude to a samurai. Oh hell no! Not if she wanted to keep her head. No. And and that was yeah kind of totally the thing not is, is and I was kind of playing on a comedic yeah. In fact, nobody but, was rude. <laughs> nobody was rude twice to a samurai. Right. You put it that way. And I felt that that just didn't work yeah. so i went ahead and i took that out that's cool yeah yeah and and that's appropriate too and and from that standpoint i agree with your your desire to keep things a little more accurate than than all that because right. uh because part of the appeal is going to be the the technical if you will accuracy of of the time and as I'm writing this, I'm like, fuck, the story's getting longer and longer and longer. Mm-hmm. Because things are happening. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to push this into the next script. I'm going to push this into the next script. Now, even though the next script hasn't been written, I've already got an entire enough shit for the next script. Which means that the stuff that was in the next script is now being pushed into the third script. Mm. And I'm like, ugh. And it's- That's when some cutting has to start taking place. That's when you have to start looking at things and go, is that really that good? It was that good before in the context it was in. But out of that context, on its own, does it stand? If it doesn't stand on its own alone, it may not be worth keeping. Well, what's happening is is I'm telling a story, and because I've already written the comic book, yeah. so there's, the story's already been told. Yeah. But... Now we're going in reverse. We're right. telling the story before the comic book. Right, the prequel. And as I'm doing this, and I'm telling more and more, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to put this in here to make it fit for that comic book mm-hmm. because I want to stay true to my story. Right. So in order to get to that point, I've got to go in and put a new point in, and, mm-hmm. and it's just like stretching further and further out. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the... And I, I think I've talked about this. I don't know if I've told you about this. Um, there's a piece in the third act, act three, where the shogun walks out onto the balcony and he's looking down. And as he's looking down over uh, what it is, is here's, let's see, how do I explain this? The balcony's in front of him, and in front of him is a large area of just open grass field. Mm-hmm. And behind that is the forest, mm-hmm. the Japanese forest. Well, he goes out and he walks up to the balcony. He's just looking. It's nighttime. It's just nice and cool and fresh. And he happens to look up towards, more so towards the forest. Mm-hmm. And as he looks up towards the forest, he noticed all these black little dots are coming out from mm. the forest. Mm. And ninjas. He realizes <laughs> that it's a, a flood of ninjas. Yeah. And, and the way I, I wrote it was the way that they look like they're coming from the forest is ants mm-hmm. coming from an ant hill. Mm-hmm. Good. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, they're just it's yeah. slowing. In. Uh, I can't wait. And they do that uh, tr- again traditionally. Uh, you know, they're always 
endless numbers of ninjas when they attack. Well, I don't care if they're attacking the palace or somebody's house or what. But whenever they attack, there are endless numbers of them, silent, fleet of foot, zipping around here and there, you know. Now, the only thing I'm thinking about changing in this piece is I'm thinking about possibly making it wintertime. That would be cool. That would be cool. Just because yeah. then there would be snow and the visual of all those black, you know, the the black uniforms. They wouldn't ninjas. be in black. What would they be? White. Ninjas stealth, dude. They're not gonna. They're not gonna show up on snow in black. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, you're right. Because I've seen white ninja costumes. They're not gonna show up in black. They want to be sneaking up on you. They're not. Shit. They may as well stand up and march if they're gonna do that. But I was thinking of. It'd be, it'd be cool because you could see them, but, but if you do the color contrast right, you know, you can, you can work with the, 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 the light of the, the ending light of the day uh -huh. so that there's the glow there to light the forest in a glow kind of way. You know, they'll show up. Well, that, but the main reason why I wanted to do it is because by the time, um, a Yotnum and his student gets back to the forest, or from the forest to the palace, mm. There's already, the fighting's been going on for some time. Yeah. And blood's, you know, splatter right. all over. And I was thinking the, the visual spectrum of red on white, the, the it'd be blood. Good. It'd on be good. The, you could have, you could have end of, uh, winter. So you could have some snow here and there. Yeah. You know, early spring or the other way around, early winter. Little snow, not a whole lot. But, but, and I get what you're saying about how cool it would look to see the little black Guys crawling across the snow. I'm just telling you, they won't be wearing black, because they're all about the stealth thing. Right. And they they they're not stupid. They know white show, black shows up on white. You know, they're not going to be wearing black. They're well, gonna they want to blend in with their surroundings as much right. as possible. So, so what are you going to do? I don't know. I just might leave it the way it is right now. Yeah. Which is uh, yeah. it's story wise is it's spring. and there's it doesn't have to be the whole. It doesn't have to all take place in one season, necessarily. It could change seasons. That's change. true. I mean, you know, shit, you're the author. You can do anything you want. <laughs> but I just wanted to convey, you know, because I'm watching all these uh, yeah. you know, foreign you're movies. Yeah, all and, kinds of cool ideas. Yes. Yeah. And hopefully it's going to translate into a really good script. You have to, you have to take in a couple of Zatoichis. You really do. I will. Zatoichi's entertaining too. He's he's funny. Besides, besides being you know capable with a capitals K, <laughs> he's he's uh, he's entertaining. I find him entertaining anyway. But then I find all Japanese movies entertaining. Very few of them I haven't enjoyed. I've seen a lot of Japanese movies over the years. You know, we've been married thirty nine years. I've seen a lot of Japanese movies, dude. A lot. We, that's what we used to do when we went on dates. We'd go to Japanese movies. Really? Yeah, we'd go to Japantown in, uh, uh, in, uh, San Jose. That's yeah. cool. See Japanese movies, yeah. It was fun. I, that's where I learned to love them. So, yeah, but they're entertaining. Very, very entertaining. And once you get a taste for them, you know, then, then you kind of know what to expect. There's always going to be lots of blood. Right. You know, always, you know, they're, they're, Total matriarch, matriarchally driven. If that's, I made up a new word. Um, 
Yeah, in fact, with that, I had to go and figure out, you know, like one, obviously the Shogun's in charge of one family, then you've got the Chamberlain who's in charge of another family, mm-hmm. and then you've got the uh, the Lord, which is another family, and then you go into, like, the sub-lords. And, and, uh, well, and, the, and culturally, there's... there's uh when I say they're they're matriarchally driven, I mean the the fighters are right. But there's the the other side of the cultural coin is the one driven by the the women. Derive it um, forcefully, like the samurai or the warlords or the feudal bosses or whatever. They don't they don't do it that. They're very subtle. Right. They drive it with their pussies. That's they know that they know that's what you're after, and that's you know that's they just sit there all beautiful, and in essence they say you want this, <laughs> you're gonna do things my way. Eventually, you will do things my way. You may be able to slip my throat, but in the meantime, <laughs> you're gonna do things my way. And they, they, it's a very subtle power thing, very very subtle, but it's there. You have to look for it, but it's there. Uh, I'll definitely because yeah. there's more. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get in as much as you know, I can. And, and at the same time, you know, I mean, the women were powerless. Right. They were kept powerless. Uh, they weren't allowed to strengthen. They had nothing to strengthen with. If a woman became strong, it was because uh, she portrayed herself as a man to gain physical strength. I'm right. talking. You know, they were kept. Like little dolls, like all the little Japanese dolls you see, they were kept that way. So they had they had strength, but it was inner strength. It wasn't a physical strength at all. Well, thank you. I, I did not initially mean to get off on a tangent about uh, Japanese cinema, but that was fun. Well, yeah, it was. I'm uh, sorry, I sort of took it there. I no, not a necessarily problem. mean to, but. That's all right. So wish me luck. Yeah, I can't wait to see what I am going to be in yes. the movie now. I think I should be. I think I should be a madam. A madam. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, they had them. They had right. brothels all over the place. Those guys had to get laid somehow, where they could turn around and slit their throats if they wanted to. You know. So that actually gives me an idea. Okay. All right. Well, for anyway. this week, I am David K. Montoya, and I am Miss Sadie Burbank. And you heard what we think, and now you know. That's right. Good night. Good night. I don't know if I really drove that home or not, but you know, during the the whole process of writing the Yotnam, I did a lot of studying about Japanese culture because while the story was fictional, I wanted it to be believable, and I I wanted you know the the culture and the mannerisms and everything that people did in those times in that era in Japan to be very authentic. While of course, like I said, the story is just pure fiction. So I I uh, really did research, and, and that's pretty much what I was trying to drive home in that episode. All right, let's go ahead and just round out the week, and let's go ahead and grab the final episode for this show. And then I'll be sending you home on your merry way. Well, actually, now with the iTunes and the Stitcher app for what we are, not what we think, for Flashback Fridays, you probably might be driving home right now. Hell, you might even be driving to work. I don't know. But it's that possibility now. Okay, let's give this pot a stir one more time. And we're going to pick a new episode for the week.
All right, let's see. We've got Who's the Boss number 13, released April 11th, 2013. This is Friends. It says Dave reflects on the people who he once called friends and how after he lost everything, they suddenly disappeared from his life. Then he changes gears and gives us a lowdown on some of his new writing projects and the release and date to the MythWorks owned book. Okay, I really, we're going to have to listen to this one together, folks, because I don't remember it. Uh, so, uh, go ahead and grab nice, something nice and cold and something warm to eat and let's see what we have to say. And who's the boss number 13? And this one's called Friends. Welcome to Who's the Boss? This is David K. Montoya. You know, have you ever heard that expression that a handful of good friends is better than a group of not real friends? Or well, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm, I'm I, I was sitting and thinking about this um, after I, I did the last podcast and I talked about MythWorks and whatnot, I, I was sitting and I was just kind of thinking about things, you know, and, and how things were. And, um, you know, through, from 1992 to about, say, 2002, the first 10 years of the company, um, you know, it, it, it was mainly, I mean, there was outside people you know um, but mainly I think it was a, ran by friends and family um, you know mo- mostly it was it was family you know my sister my brother my cousin my aunt you know we, well, like I said we did have some outside people as well but um, you know it was mainly family and it was a very intimate setting to be in during that time. It was, um, it wasn't nothing that it would become. You know, it was, it was still, I think, more of a dream because amidst the, the creation of the internet, you know, that made things more possible. But even then, you know, that, it just was very, you know, you go and you, you, go to people's houses and you brainstorm and you talk and you know it was it was a lot of face-to-face time and you know it was much more difficult to you know because back then we were doing completely just comic books and uh, you know it was it was much more of a task to do a comic book than what it is today you know I mean and realistically in real time, if, if you were to say on a Monday you wrote a story and you went and drew up the story on a Tuesday and sent it online by Friday, you could have a physical book in your hand. I mean, it's it's literally that fast now. But back in the 90s, you know, it wasn't like that. You know, there was, it was very laborious and... Uh, time-consuming you know a lot of effort went into it a lot more effort than what you know because it's true the internet has made things a lot easier than what they were back then 
so anyway um it was like i said it was very intimate setting it wasn't that big of a uh surrounding and i guess i was content with the fact that the the people involved were family but they were so close enough that you know they were friends too and as time goes on things change and you know i i don't know i mean relationships change you know unfortunately the the only person that i really still talk to you know from those days is my sister you know uh, and of course my wife but uh you know i don't talk to my brother i don't talk to my aunt you know i don't talk to my cousin and i don't know if it's just because i we grew apart or or what and <clears throat> i think it's from that point where you know you had those people in your lives for at least 10 years if not more you know because they were part of your life before you know anything got started and then you know when 2003 rolled around you know i i started having more friends and and as i got to to know these people you know i, I incorporated them their ability at a task into doing something for me in the company and you know, it, it, it was, how do I explain this? Though they did their tasks as an employee, I looked at them as friends first. And um, we talked as friends. You know, uh, go over and have a beer and just chit-chat, talk about life. And, you know, just shit that friends do. And... <clears throat> I don't know. I, I honestly, at one point, I, I thought I, I was really blessed because I thought I had like a shit ton of friends. Um, you know, and not only in, in real life, you know, personable friends, face to face friends, but online friends as well. You know, because during that time, that was during the advent of like MySpace and and the whole facial or uh, social media, and I was going to say Facebook too, but actually that. Facebook would come later, um, and it, it's a, I don't know, I, I honestly, you know, I had like 700, quote unquote, 700 and something friends on Facebook, you know, and, and I realized that in reality, you know, I didn't have 700 friends, you know, and, but I, I knew that I had friends from there you know on the online media and real friends and you shoot 10 years from there to now you know here in 2013 um you know the the funny thing is is that it's it's interesting because of all those people i i used to communicate with are are gone for the most part um you know the only people that i i actually talked to from that era is terry d sheer who's uh, you know a very close friend of mine and um s Sadie burbank and her husband ernie you know we're really good friends 
and <clears throat> and though Russo doesn't fall in the 2003 category, we we actually became friends in 2000. But you know, he's he's close enough, didn't there? You know, I, I talked to Russo. So you know, that's it. I mean, now there's a new person in the mix that I consider a friend, you know, and that's uh, Aaron Illich. That's my sister's fiance. Um, but I also consider him a friend. He's a good guy. So, you know, there's, there's a new friend. And I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, the, the people that I have in my life right now are true, true friends. Because I, I still try to, you know, give things to my friends, do things for my friends. That's just who I am. But it's not a friendship based on what I can do or what I can give to them. Um, you know, it's, it's a friendship because they sincerely, you know, like who I am as a person. And, you know, the funny thing is, is like I said, I, I was talking about MythWorks last episode and <clears throat> I was like, you know, I think I'm going to email, you know, and, and get a hold of some people and just say hi. That's all. And I was going through my my contact list and I'm like, I don't, nobody, the people that I remember as friends aren't even on my contact list anymore, you know. Um, so then I went over to Facebook and, and you know, they're not on my my Facebook friends anymore. So it, it's kind of interesting that because I I don't bring something of value or worth for them to the table that, you know, they've decided that the the friendship that we had wasn't initially beneficial to their liking and they've gone their own way. And <clears throat> that that kind of rubs me the wrong way, to be honest with you. Because, like I said, I, I'm a giver. I'm not a taker. And um, I always try to do things for my friends. And, and I don't want, or I didn't want, rather, you know, a, a friendship based on, oh, you know, I'm a friend with Dave, so, you know, I'll get something good out of it. You know, something physical, you know, like a computer or, you know, movies or, you know, whatever. And, um, but that was just my way of saying thank you for being my friend. <laughs> I guess it, it actually turned around and kind of blew up my face to the point where when I was like, well, you know, I'm in a situation and this was like, you know, 2010, you know, when I was in a situation where I couldn't provide these things I couldn't afford um, you know this these thank yous you know people are like screw you you know I'm out of here thanks for everything that you've given me um, you know because I I, <clears throat> I literally took about a three thousand dollar cut in pay in 2010 uh, per month and um you know, I just, I couldn't afford things anymore. And, 
you know, I, I wasn't doing for myself, you know, and if I'm not doing for myself, then, you know, obviously I'm not going to be doing for others. You know, my, my main responsibility is as long as I can do for my kid, because at, at the time in 2010, I only had one child. Um, Zoe, my, my daughter, she'd come a year later. Um, and, and my wife, you know, that was my main priority is making sure that those two had. And I'm sorry, and, and, and if you listen, and I really seriously doubt if any of you guys listen to this. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry it turned into that type of friendship. And, you know, my, my incentive for that relationship was simply for friendship. Um, I didn't become friends with people just so I can have them work for me, you know, in my company. That was, you know, I had people that were my friends that did not work for me. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was just one of those things where as I got to know people and I saw their talents, I was like, you know, I can really utilize your talents. And it was never a purpose of a friendship to, to gain some type of ability to help the company grow. And it's, it was just, I wanted to be your friend. You know, that, that was pretty much it. It was, it's as clear as dry as that. I just wanted to be friends. And, now, you know, I, I sit here and, and it's sometimes it can be lonely, you know, um, because though I do podcast, you know, and I, I do get to see people once a week and that's pretty much it. You know, I, I get to see people once a week, not on a continuum. And, um, you know, like right now. It's it's uh, two minutes to ten in the morning, and Jaden, my son, he's at school, and, and Zoe and, and Lacey are asleep still, and you know the house is very quiet, and it it's, feels very lonely right now, you know. And, and I wish I could just pick up the phone and, and call, and you know because like for example, there's. Um, like Russo, I know Russo is, he's at work, so I can't call Russo. And then I can't call Rebecca because my sister, she, she's at school right now, um, you know, college. And then for like Terry, I know Terry, Terry stays up. He, Terry is a, a an actual nocturnal mammal. He really is. He's, he's a night person. So, I know he's asleep. He won't be asleep, or he won't be awake for well, a couple more hours. Uh, you know, and Sadie and her husband, uh, kind of the same. You know, they're night people, um, but they'll they'll get up around eleven or twelve in the afternoon. So these these group of people, you know, they're they're currently inaccessible because they're they're still asleep. So it's just me sitting in this house all alone with uh with you guys and 
and I appreciate it. If you're listening to this, I, I appreciate you listening. Um, you know, but there's there's no there's no feedback. You know, it's it, right here at this very second. It's just me alone with the mic in front of my face, and uh, you know, I, I wish I had the the ability to reconnect with people um but you know even at that if someone came up to me and said hey you know how you been you know granted i haven't seen you in in three years how how you been let's be friends again i honestly i'd probably be really leery of of that situation because i know what kind of a person or people rather um you know because I don't bring anything to the table. You know, I can't do something financially for people anymore. I can't publish somebody's book because I'm their friend. You know, I'm I'm not doing that anymore. And that's that's a whole nother can of worms. Which you know what, let's let's go ahead and jump into that. Um you know, I, I had several people that I talked to on a continuum. Uh, you know, the pitching ideas to me and, you know, very business related, but, you know, I still consider them as friends. And <clears throat> once I announced that I was going to stop being the, the publisher and CEO of MythWorks, let me tell you something, brother. It, people disappeared. They're like, poof, gone. Can't find them. And again, that was one of those things where, they were friends with the the idea of well if i become good enough friends with this dude he'll publish one of my books which believe it or not is actually not the case um i've never published a book because a person was my friend um i published books because i i thought they were marketable and we could turn a profit and they were good books but never just because they were friends and then uh you know, the the online community, you know, Herotica and the World of Myth, I'm surprised that now that we're not running these websites, that nobody, not one person, well, that's not true, um, Sarah St. John, you know, she's still, I, I consider her a friend, even though I've not physically met her. Um, I do consider her and her husband Barry, you know, friends. And of course, Sarah comes from the world of myth originally, and she works with GISG. But other than those, uh, those two, you know, I mean, there was literally tons of people that came from those magazines that I, you know, had correspondence with. And then once the magazines closed, that was it. They were gone. Poof, gone. And, um, you know, what is it? What, what, what is, what am I missing? Is it because people would rather pretend to be friends to get something beneficiary out of it? Um, you know, I honestly, if you came to me and said, you know, I don't want to be your friend. I think you're an asshole. But I know that you publish books or, 
now, you know, you run podcasts and I like the podcast or whatever. Just come up and be straightforward. I, I would respect that more than someone saying, hey, Dave, how are you? Let's be friends, blah, blah, blah. And then once, you know, something happens and I, I don't have or I'm not doing whatever XYZ is that is keeping you around, you decide to ditch me. Um, you know, I'd, I'd much rather take option A where the dude's like, I just, I don't like you, but I know that you can be beneficial towards me and my career and, and whatever. So that's, that's kind of it, guys. I'm, I'm just, I, I started reminiscing about MythWorks and the company and, and that's when my mind turned was uh you know with with my so called friends that I, I don't even hear from anymore. It's <clears throat> I don't know. I, I really I just decided to start podcasting because it, it was building up and it was uh kind of laying heavy on my chest and I needed to get it off and um I don't know guys. I, I just I guess this is a rant session is essentially <laughs> what this is. Um, you know, because I, I did not intend for this podcast to be kind of gloomy or, you know, depressing or whatever. And it, it's interesting because the, the mic and you listeners are, are like my therapy. I, I've learned that. I mean, I've recorded several podcasts where I've sat down and I've just like poured my heart out and very personal stuff, but just because I'm talking, you know, verbally speaking into a microphone and, and knowing that, you know, there's a possibility that people will hear me, that, that actually is, uh, very therapeutic. And while, you know, I, I did toss a lot of the podcasts, you know, the process of podcasting is very therapeutic. And I guess this is where we're at. I don't even know. Honestly, this might be one of those podcasts that goes into the trash can. We'll see what happens. Um, if there's a good message behind it, I'll, I'll put it up. But, you know, it is what it is, folks. You know what? I just want to have real friends. And that kind of leads me back to what I said, you know, opening statement, you know, it's, it's better to have a handful of friends than a group of fake friends. And that, that's where I'm, I'm at though. So I'm blessed with real friends and I don't have that many friends, though I'm a very, very social person. I like to be social. I like to be interactive with people. Um, but I, I've only got a handful of friends and unfortunately an even smaller handful that are here in in my area you know most of them are not <clears throat> well for example like Alan Russo he lives in Arkansas again and uh, Terry Shears in, in Idaho you know uh, Barry and, and Sarah Basor in Oklahoma you know so there's 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 friends but they're you know, I can't just jump in the car and go see them. Uh, but I, I'm still nonetheless 
blessed to to have real friends um, and and I say real friends is because I don't bring anything to the table for them um, you know you can go and, and be devil's advocate and say well you you let some of them podcast well yeah yeah but you know what that's they don't need me to podcast they can sit down in front of a mic at their house or anywhere else and in podcast they don't need me it, podcasting is, is actually a very simple simple thing to do you know they don't get nothing in return it's it's i don't know but they're my friends nonetheless and i'm appreciative to those people and for those people of the past who I don't want to say used me because that that sounds so like I'm, I'm being an emo wussy, you know. I'm, but I'm sorry that our friendship wasn't as beneficial to you as it was to me. Uh, and I'm not saying materialistic wise beneficial. I'm talking the actual form of having a relationship as a friend. Uh, you know, it was more beneficial to me having a friend than it was to you. And, and honestly, I, I do feel bad and say I'm sorry about that because, you know, that's that's all any process of this was. It's just I just wanted to be your friend. I just wanted to hang out, talk, bullshit, you know. And, um, you know. It's again. It is what it is. The past is the past. But I just needed to get it off my chest. So there you have it. Um, you know, let's see what else. I, let's try to get into something a little bit more positive. You know, I've spent literally just spent half the show uh, talking about that. Um, let's see. I'm I'm still writing. And if you're listening to the other shows, and I, I've kind of done that purposely. You know, sorry guys, you, you have to, in order to get the full story of my progress and what I'm doing, uh, you know, you're going to have to follow the shows. But <clears throat> um, I'm working on a, a really big story. Um, it's it's really coming together nicely. Um, actually, now that I think about it, I'm working on several stories. Um, initially... I started writing a story when we were going to do Herotica. I was going to have a story in Herotica. I was going to do a vampire story. And the story just was taking too long to, to put together. So <clears throat> it's it's not going to be a short story. You know, it, and I'm just writing it. Whenever the, the idea comes to me, I sit down and I write that story. And then um, I actually started doing a, a story for the GSG anthology and <clears throat> how do I say this though it is a, a religious based story it's to me as I was reading it I, I just felt that it was something that wouldn't be quite appropriate to to put into a Christian anthology you know because it's <laughs> it, it's a you know 
about these guys who are drinking and, and actively doing drugs and and everything that is you know not deemed Christianly or or holy. And you know one of the characters gets possessed and and I wanted it to very much be a real life you know very true to life kind of thing and um after i read it i was like well it's an okay story but i just didn't feel that it was um appropriate to put into that publication and i've been fleshing out the story you know once you write it i i don't know i don't know if it'll ever find a home in print maybe it'll just set in my file i don't know but I'm fleshing that out too, and uh, you know, just kind of being creative. Um, I don't know why I'm being creative. It, it's well, that's who I am. It's, uh, but I, I'm doing some writing, and it's it's very, it's good. You know, it's it's like being away. You know, how do I explain this? It's like going to Disneyland and you have such a great time and then you're gone for so long and you know then you have the opportunity to go back and you know you're going back and and it's just as fun now than it was then and that's kind of the way my writing is you know I'm working on the end the end book one we're trying to figure out when we're going to do season two, when season two is going to start up. Um, and, you know, I, I love that story. It's just, it's so everything I want in a story. If I were a reader, to me, it has everything in the story that I would want. Um, so anyway, there there is going to be a, a ebook and hard copy book coming out. Uh, we're working on that. Um, it's going to come out through Jay's Oman, if anybody's wondering. And, um, like I said, season two, we're just trying to figure out how to, to approach season two. Because originally, when we first started it, it started, we wanted it to tap into the, the Walking Dead audience, you know, that, um, that TV show that has zombies. And we wanted to to tap into those guys. So literally, you know, because that show came out like every Sunday. So we decided that the week after the season ended, that first week, we would go with season one, essentially. And it came out every Sunday, you know, just like The Walking Dead did. And though it was, it, it did good. Um, you know, we, we have downloads all throughout the week, not just on Sundays. So we're just trying to figure out if it's beneficial to continue to, to do it on Sundays. And and if we are going to do it on Sundays, then what, when are we going to start doing this again? Um, also the GISG anthology I have a release date on that finally. Um, <clears throat> if people are, are interested in picking up that book, and it'll be the Friday before Mother's Day. So Mother's Day is what the the twelfth this year, I believe. 
So the GISG book, which is called Spiritual Awakening, um, Stories of Praise and Redemption, will come out that Friday, May 10th. And it's, it, believe it or not, it's actually the biggest book we've ever produced. It's, it's pretty good. It's, I want to say it's somewhere in around the ballpark, ballpark of like 350 pages. It's a good, good sized book. And there's lots of good stories in there. And, you know, even if you're not quote unquote the religious type, um, there's stories in there that are so well written. It won't even matter, you know. Um, it's just they're good stories. So that's scheduled to come out May 10th, and we're doing it a little bit different than what we usually do. Um, we're not putting it out in big chains like Barnes and Nobles and Target and, and you know the the guys like that. We're gonna be going. We're issuing it. You're gonna be able to pick it up at two places. Um, you're gonna be able to pick it up at Amazon.com. And you're going to be able to pick it up at MythMart. And yes, MythMart is still up. It's operational. Um, you know, we, we just haven't decided exactly what we're going to do at that point where the last book, which our last book is the evolution of MythWorks. And that book talks about the entire 20 year history of the company. Um, but after that book comes out, we don't have no more books planned to come out. And, you know, what we're, what are we going to do? Are we going to turn that into like a, a resell or retail, you know, book, online bookstore? You know, exactly what are we going to do? And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, um, I should probably make a, a note just to give you guys a heads up. Um, sometime in, in the week of May, um, there's going to be a week where there will not be uh, no podcasts at all from anybody. And the reason that is is because my sister Rebecca and Aaron are getting hitched. And um, we're going up to Vegas. And then after Vegas, then we're going to go on vacation for about a week. And since I'm the one who, you know does all the the mastering and the mixing and uploading and the websites and all that. Since I'm going on vacation for about a week, um, I will not be working on anything unless I take my laptop. And then if I do that, then, then I'm not going, then it's not a vacation. You know, I'm still doing the same thing I'm doing here. But anyway, um, I think we're taking a week off. Uh, I haven't even told the others yet. So, uh, just so expect sometime in, in May, you know, there will be one whole week where no shows are coming up and, you know, that not to be surprised or, or worried that we're gone or whatever. It's just we're, we're taking a week off because my sister and, and her fiance are, are getting married. And that, God, that sounds really weird. You know, it's, I'm 11 years older than Rebecca and I'll be 36 in May and Rebecca is 25 and you know when I, I, I still think of my sister sometimes as a, a little kid you know like you know a 7 or 8 year old and, and you know the the idea of her getting married just kind of boggles my mind and kind of makes me feel old all at the same time 
it's uh, but you know what Aaron's a good guy and I, I wish them all the happiness in the world I, I think that they they've got the chemistry that's needed to have a lifelong prosperous marriage and uh, you know I've been accused my wife accuses me of this a lot you know that I don't ex- get excited about anything anymore but um I'm I'm excited about the wedding. I, I think that's going to be very special. Um, you know my my stepdad, who is you know I, I call him my dad. Uh, you know because he was he was my father figure since I was four. He he passed away in 2011, and um, so in that respect. I was asked to to give my sister away, and uh, I was very honored, you know, because that should have been my dad's, you know, thing to give his daughter, his his baby girl away at the wedding, so I'm honored and flattered about that, and I'll, I'll, you know, of course I said yes, and I'll be giving her away at the wedding, and, um, my daughter, he'll, or he'll, <laughs> my daughter, she'll, she'll be the flower girl. Uh, my wife, Lacey, is actually the maid of honor. And um, my son, Jay, he, he's just going to be there looking cool, looking sharp. That's, that's his involvement in the wedding. Um, and it is, it, it's something, it's a very stressful time. I remember, you know, because, I mean, as weird as it sounds, you know, in in 2005 will be my, well, in in 2005 it'll be my wife and I's 20th anniversary of being together, but in 2006 is when we've actually been married for 20 years. And uh, it's, I don't remember that much stress, you know, it was just something that we did and, and we did it mostly on our own so you know I don't know times have changed I guess things are more stressful but uh <clears throat> but I am I'm looking forward to the wedding and uh I'm looking forward to vacation you know uh, I would love if, if I can pull this off I'm going to and that's uh we won't be too far from the Idaho border, and I might make a, a surprise visit to the Shearer House in Idaho. You know, because I I haven't seen Terry. Let's see, last time last time I actually physically saw Terry was in 2010. I believe it was 2010. Um, yeah, it was. So it's been almost three years since I've actually seen him face to face, and it would be good to to see him again. So that's pretty much what's going on there, you know, at the wedding. Um, let's see what else. I've been playing a lot of video games with my son. He's he's got me into playing video games, and I've been playing uh, Batman: Arkham City a lot, and that's been <clears throat> that's been fun because 
you know, I'm even starting to develop the the video game thumb, you know, the callous thumb from playing on it for too long. And uh, it's it's fun because, you know, I grew up in the era of Atari. You know, we had the Atari, we had the Nintendo. And then by the time Super Nintendo and all the other ones started coming out, you know, I, I'd kind of gotten out of video games. So I... I, I grew up with the, the old 8-bit video games, you know. And there, there was a lot of strategy that was needed to, to beat the games. It's, it's nothing like today's games, man. You actually, you really have to sit and, and think about what you're gonna do in order to, to solve a mystery or to make an action. It's, it's really fun. In fact, there's, uh, there's a new, game coming out called Injustice. I guess it's a, another DC game. And it's going to have everybody. And I'm thinking about purchasing that for my son and I and, and maybe playing that a little bit. I, I'm limiting myself, and I think I've said this on, on um, Scene Red. I only limit myself to one day a week playing the video games. Because um, if, if I don't, I could literally, you know, not get nothing done and just play video games all day long. And at first, you know, with other people, I always like, how can you do that? You know, how can you, you not get shit done and just set on playing video games? And now that I've actually started playing video games, I'm like, oh, I completely understand. It's just that, that drive to complete something, the adventure. Um, it, it's been it's been really fun and um, I look forward to beating Arkham City um, I, I think I'm like halfway done at this point halfway or three quarters pretty close to being done um, and then I think after we beat that game then I'm going to go pick up uh, Injustice for the Xbox that's what we have is we have an Xbox 360 and uh, maybe my son and I will play it. It's it's actually a very good bonding tool. I mean, we have a lot of stuff in common, my son and I. And just recently, he he's gotten really into trying to start his own little business. And uh, I'm not trying to downplay it at all because that's that's the way I started, you know. Though he's, he's starting roughly about two years younger than I started. You know, I, I started wanting around 13, I think, when I started getting into business. Um, you know, and he's, he's starting his own little company. Uh, it's called Bloodstreams. Or he also calls it Jaden Montoya Studios, too. Um, and his main thing is, is he wants to make video games. And, I told him, I said, you know what, you, you can do whatever you want to do. You know, just, you gotta learn how to do it, do it right, do it professionally, and, and you can do it. You know, uh, put out your first game, and your first game may not be, you know, something cutting edge, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. So just keep working at it. And, and I, I've been trying to kind of mentor him with his business um, 
you know, so that's, that's, I could literally do a whole nother episode on, on how that makes me feel. It's, um, it, it's so neat because I never pushed anything on him. I've never pushed him in the way of comics. I've never pushed him in the way of making his own company, you know, writing, you know, that's just things that he's picked up naturally. And, uh, it, it, it makes me feel really good. It does, uh, does me good. And, you know, who knows? I mean, and I know we've talked about it. I've talked about it probably on every single show I've done. Uh, you know, he has autism. But, you know what, that, that might be a thing in the past, especially with this, this new treatment. But whether he has autism or he doesn't have autism, you know, uh, there's, there's a high probability that one day he'll take over what I'm doing. And, and, you know, for any father out there, you know, and I can see everybody shaking their head yes, uh, you know, that's, that's the goal of any father is to have their son continue their legacy, you know, take, to pick up where you leave off. And, uh, I, I do see that happening. I, I see that happening. With, actually, I believe it or not, I actually see it with both my kids. Um, even though Zoe's very young, um, she's already showing like interests in computers and games. And and uh, if you listen to like Seeing Red or Win in Burbank, you'll literally you'll hear her in the podcast too. You know because she gets all excited when we start podcasting. So um, it's 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 there on both my kids and I'm very excited I'm very blessed to to have that ideology that you know they'll pick up where I leave off and you know even after picking up where I leave off I'm hoping that they are more successful and even better at what they do than what I do and and you know beating the master at his game as it were you know that 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 would be awesome you know um i have been on an emotional tirade today i don't know why um you know i I literally spent more than half the show i think no about half the show talking about friends and whatnot and then writing and books and i've just kind of rambled on and I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I really didn't sit down and start thinking about what I was going to say. Just as soon as I hit record, it just kind of started coming out. And, uh, you know, I guess that's the way sometimes things work. And I'm, I don't know, maybe, maybe next week we'll, we'll come up with something a little bit more interesting. I'm trying to get maybe a guest on here or something because um, I know it's probably boring for you guys just to hear me rant and talk for, you know, an hour without no other audio stimulation. Um, So I I am, I'm trying to find people that would get on here and and maybe we can talk and and reminisce and, you know, give them an opportunity to to plug what they want to plug. And, uh, 
you know, one of these days, I, and I'm, I'm hell bent on this. And seriously, one of these days, I, I will get Russo on here, and one of these days, you know, perhaps Russo will become the co-host, like he was supposed to be. By head, he was, he was supposed to, you know, co-host with me every week this show. Uh, <clears throat> because when, <laughs> when I came out with this show called, you know, Who's the Boss, and it was just me, a lot of people are like, man, you've got an ego. But uh, believe it or not, it was it was kind of a joke. You know, it was supposed to be uh, me and, and Alan Russo because, you know, I, I... Well, I guess I am technically still the CEO of MythWorks, and um, now he's the CEO of... of uh, What's his his book called? Not his book, but his book publishing. Um, Zombie Works. His, his company's called Zombie Works. He's the CEO. So we were going to have two CEOs, you know, and we'd be talking about random stuff, and and that was the concept behind it, you know, between him and I, who was the boss, you know, because we were both CEOs, and uh, you know, he was unable to follow through and, and commit to the show before we even got started. So I've been on here now for how many ever months, kind of just doing my own thing. But, you know, when people first come to the show and they see me, just me, with who's the boss, that a lot of people think I'm really arrogant, which is actually true. You know, I, I am arrogant and I'm stuck on myself. Um, I'm not that bad. Or at least I won't let the public know I'm that bad. <laughs> so... But I, I do thank you for coming in this week, folks. And um, if if you've made it all the way through to this, I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I did. I just had to get some stuff off my chest. I don't know. You know, I, I was just I was just reminiscing back on the business, and, and that kind of popped into my head. And, and I really I needed to just put it out there. And once you put it out there, you can own it and, and move on. So now that it's out there, I'll do my best to own it. And then, you know, get myself moving on. But uh, I promise next week we'll we'll do something a little bit more cheerful and, and more upbeat. Um, maybe I'll tell you a little bit more about this big writing project that I'm working on. It's It's something really big. But I, I'm I'm not saying what it is. It's just because of how big it is, and I don't want to be put in a situation where, uh, you know, it doesn't follow through. Kind of like with Body Bag, you know, Body Bag. I announced it, you know, while I was still doing the rewrite, and that just kind of fell apart in front of everybody, and that made me look bad. You know, it was just it was bad. But anyway, folks, that's it for this week. I'm David K. Montoya, so if you're willing, come back next week as we continue to try to find the age-old answer to an even older question of who's the boss. Take care, folks. Have a great rest of the week. Ah, yes, of course. I totally forgot about that. Um, you know, there's really not much to say. Uh, the podcast said it all. You know, I, I had people around me who I thought were my friends, and... And after I, I lost money and didn't have the availability of, you know, purchasing things and nice things, they all kind of disappeared. But that's okay because, you know, life goes on.
and you find out who your fr- your true friends are. All right, I think we're done because I'm stumbling over my words. I'm not drunk. I'm just stumbling. All right, kids, come back next week, and we're going to do this all over again. I'm going to go park the Wayback Machine, and then I'll pull it out next Friday. And we'll enjoy three more podcasts from the Jaisal Modcast archive right here on Flashback Fridays. I'll see you next week.